Hello, deviants. Are you tired of Christmas already? If you hear one more Christmas song, do you feel like gouging your own eyes out? How about all the decorations? Have you seen just about enough tinsel to last a lifetime? Well, fear not, deviants, because we're bringing Halloween back. Welcome to the Black Anise Horror Podcast Halloween All-Star Special. The super late, 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 late Halloween All-Star Special. Um, in all seriousness, though, we, we had uh, a family tragedy happen uh, right before Halloween, so we weren't able to edit and get this episode out in time for Halloween, but we're back, uh, we're feeling all right, and we're ready to rock it. And I'm sorry, but it's not Christmas yet, so that means it's still Halloween time as far as we're concerned. So, welcome to the, our lovely Halloween special. We are joined by four special guests. We've got Patrick Walsh from the Scream Queens podcast, one of the top ten podcasts that everyone should listen to before they die. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, we are joined by Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation Horror Podcast, which, I mean, you should have heard of Johnny Krug by now, but if you haven't, check him out immediately. Uh, he's hilarious. Um, we're joined by Papa X, uh, Jeffrey X Martin from Kiss the Goat, and he's also a writer for Pop Shifter. His podcast, it's all about devil movies. Him and Cutie just drink and talk about the devil, and it's absolutely amazing. And we are joined by Duncan McLeish, who is one professional Scotsman. Holy shit, I can't even keep up. All right, he does the podcast Under the Stairs. He does rock and reel reviews, the Midnight Horror Show, Grave Shift Radio, uh, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, and Doing the Nasty Podcast. I don't see when this guy sleeps. He's got a little baby, too, so he's running on coffee. I'm convinced that he's a cyborg or a caffeine-run clone of some sort to keep up with all of this. I do apologize for such a long break in the shows, and I hope that, that all of you listeners understand, you know, just sometimes shit happens and, you know, it interferes with, with our recording but um we are back and hopefully it was worth the wait right well we're going to a break now so stay tuned for trick or treat uh featuring jeffrey x martin and duncan mcleish see you in a second you know those old time radio shows with the married couples who bicker about the kids and the car and the neighbors our podcast is a lot like that Yeah, well, if you replace the kids, the car, and the neighbors with devil movies, theology, and vodka. My name is X. And I'm Cootie. And we are the hosts of Kiss the Goat, a different kind of movie podcast. Every episode, we review a devil movie. You know, possessions, exorcisms, the Antichrist, and we stomp a mud hole in it, even if we like it. 
we are huge fans of comparative religion. And we love to compare real belief systems with what Hollywood seems to think belief systems are. But don't think we're not civic-minded, because each episode includes our Satan in the News segment, where our fearless correspondent, Sin Fallon, documents the eternal struggle between good and evil. And, as high-functioning alcoholics, we give every movie its own drinking game, so that you can enjoy the movie just like we did. Ripped to the tits. <laughs> and there is ever so much more to the show than that. And let me tell you, it ain't for kids. Well, it ain't for most adults. But it might be for you. You won't know until you listen to Kiss the Goat exclusively on the Legion Network of Podcasts. That's Kiss the Goat. We're the lighter side. Of the dark side. <laughs> Looking for something different in your podcast library? Then why not check out the podcast Under the Stairs? I'm the host Duncan McLeish and joining me each week will be a special guest as we examine some classic old school horror favourites as well as some modern classics. That's not to say that we don't tackle some of the, let's say, more questionable entries into the horror genre. And if all that wasn't enough, we have a subset of shows called Baz V Horror, where our horror novice, The Baz, tackles horror in all shapes and forms to see who will come out victorious. So what are you waiting for? The show can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com and on Stitcher and iTunes. The Podcast Under The Stairs is a proud member of Legion Podcast Network. This is Duncan McLeish from Under The Stairs, signing off. Everybody scream! Everybody scream!
We're back. Uh, check out the trailer for Trick or Treat. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey X. Martin. I am the god of hellfire! And I'm very glad to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. And Duncan McLeish. And I am not the god of hellfire. Um, but thanks for having me on your show anyway. So glad to have you guys here. You're both absolutely amazing. An inspiration, really. I think I might possibly die 
with excitement that you're both on my show. Dodge, dip, duck, dive, and dodge. <laughs> Remember to pick the stronger, faster kids for your That's <laughs> <laughs> okay, Misty. I've broken lots of women. <laughs> intro which is i don't know about you guys it reminded me so much of the creep show intro mm -hmm. the comic book style intro that it made me instantly feel warm and fuzzy about the movie because i creep show i loved creep show when i was a kid yeah i think i think that's a deliberate choice i think the, the thing i think the big thing about this movie which stands out to me anyway is on paper, doing an anthology should be the simplest thing in the world because you don't have to you don't have to create something that lasts. You can have like directors doing smaller parts, so you can only really focus on smaller stories, and you don't have to worry about trying to keep every all the cast and attention for the full span. And in practice, that's the exact opposite. Anthologies <laughs> are like the most probably one of the most difficult things up there, beside maybe romantic comedies or horror comedies, to try and get balance right, tone right. In, in terms of cinema horror ones are even more notoriously difficult because people <laughs> expect every single segment to be amazing and uh, yeah. the law of averages just means that's not going to happen Creepshow is that rare exception to the rule, Creepshow is pretty much a perfect anthology, there's a couple of things that I don't necessarily like about it but yeah, it's pretty yeah. much the perfect anthology and when you get that opening sequence you instantly think of Creepshow so you go yeah. to this movie straight away feeling Optimistic. Nostalgic. Yeah, optimistic. Yeah, yeah. You know, right from the right from the, the outset, you're like, this is going to be awesome. This is, you know, yeah. But it does those... deliver, which is great. Yeah, and that's the, the th that's the thing. You get to the end and you realise that this movie actually does deliver at the end, which kind of makes you uh, you don't feel cheated. So. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I think it surpasses Creep Show, to be honest. Well, it doesn't, I... it doesn't have Tom Atkins, so no, it doesn't surpass <laughs> Creep Show, but it's very, very close. We get our opening scene. You get a couple. Woman, robot, man. What the hell is he dressed up as, the guy? I don't know. Sheriff, you guys know? Sheriff of Nottingham or something? Or? Something, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it kind of looks like yeah. some sort of night until he goes into the house and takes off his holster. Which yeah. looks like it's got a black... So he's, like some, he's like a cross between the Sheriff of Nottingham and Han Solo. Yeah. So he's yeah. like one of the characters from Brave Star. Remember that cartoon? <laughs> oh, we're going to go with that. That's what he is. Yeah. That's, that's, very, you've very heard it bad here version first, of Brave Star. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're going home, obviously after a night out of a Halloween fun. And she goes to blow out the jack-o'-lantern. And he tells her, no, you're not supposed to blow it out yet. And she's like, fuck you. And then slaps him and hits him with a brick. Okay, that doesn't actually happen. <laughs> but... <laughs> She blows out the candle anyway is what actually happens, and then they go inside. And she's got something going on the next day. Do you guys remember what it is? Oh, she's got family coming over or some shit. Something, yeah. yeah. Some kind of something that we don't care about. And Some so, sort of mind excuse. Yeah, so she needs to take the decorations down. Guy goes up to the bedroom, puts on a sex tape, and she starts dismantling the front garden, which looks awesome. I wish I had the money to decorate our... Well, we don't have a front garden, but our back garden. <laughs> our, our front pavement. <laughs> our front pavement. <laughs> yeah, I wish we, wish we were able to decorate that, that well. It looks so good. But she starts ripping them down, and of course... We have. Uh, does he? Do, do you see Sam yet? There's, there's. You don't no. see Sam yet. You no, get the he's just in the sheets, isn't he? You get the the point of view of Sam looking at her from behind yeah. like a sheet 
or something moving closer, but you don't actually physically see him. Yeah. Yeah, you see him jump up through the sheet and attack her through the Which sheet. It's amazing. I love that sequence yeah. so, so much. Because uh, you still don't see him, so when she pulls yeah. that sheet over, the. At first, I love the, the distraction as well because it kind of goes down your standard slasher format. So when she's dismantling something, she looks across the other side of the road and she sees a kid wearing a mask. Yeah, just yes. staring at her. Yeah, just staring blankly. Yeah. And of course, she gets intimidated by this and she continues staring at him until eventually a car arrives and picks him up. She realizes it's just a kid. And we think at that point, we're like, oh, she, you know, she's fine. And then she she's goes to make the shoot and Sam gets her. Gets her good. Yeah. Absolutely. With, good. with the lolly. <laughs> which, is a, which is an amazing like weapon. It's like, once again, it's bit into that perfect shard. <laughs> it's it's going to oh. be, to be honest, it, I th- thinking back, and I'm being completely honest here, it is one of, not the favorite, but it's one of my favorite weapons used in a horror film that that hard candy lolly with the jack lantern face on it yeah. with the uh section bit bitten out of it there's something so awesome about that weapon. <laughs> it's not typical and it's not obvious and it's just so effective mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Definitely. gorgeous and of but course she, she gets her throat the, the, the cool thing is though she's crawling away and the small kids are trick-or-treating they're coming along the footpath the, the, the clowns yeah, all yeah. Of them. they're all like yeah oh, this. and they, they look down and see the woman struggling and then he slits her throat and of course there's blood spray from inside it and the kids mm-hmm. shit themselves um, and run away of which to be honest if I was their age and I saw that I'd probably do the same <laughs> well and you know honestly my favourite favourite part of that scene where they're wrestling around the sheet is the POV shot inside the sheet he, you know, you see the lolly being held up, and you see her inside the sheet wrestling around, and then it cuts to outside of the sheet, and you just see the mm-hmm. blood splat across the inside. It's just it's shot so well. I love it. I thought it was done really well. What and the, what what no what none of you have mentioned yet is that she's a right cunt. <laughs> <laughs> see, I didn't I didn't think she was that much of a cunt. I, I thought she was busy and she had shit going on and was like, right, we did Halloween, it's over now. She utters the words. Up. She utters the words, I hate Halloween. Just, <gasps> just to see. Did she say that? Yeah, she says. Just, I hate oh, Halloween. she's a bitch. Uh, so born. she's a right time. I watched this movie last night too and just now and just now and it's on right now but as the, we're recording the, this the, the still re- he falls asleep he falls asleep the the did <laughs> falls asleep watching his porno entitled some fantastic like inconspicuous name like in it, nature documentary nature show <laughs> nature show. <laughs> yeah. show which is fucking brilliant um, see i thought it was them was it not them <laughs> no 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 was it not no. oh i thought it was them i thought it was their sex no, tape just, oh. So, so he comes, he comes downstairs, and of course he's trying to find her, and then there's still some decoration set up, and it's yeah, fucking it, wonderful, it, man. I like that it was her arm and leg hanging from the yeah, tree. You yeah, see the yeah, wedding yeah, ring, and he's, he's just like looking at it, like, ah, oh, right, it's yeah. one of ours. Got, I've got props. This is fine. He goes across when he like does the reveal with the the sheet off, and her head has been oh, it's just fucking brilliant. Her like her head's been mounted and all. The mouse being gouged and there's there's lights all around it. It's just it's, yeah. and the, oh. the lollipops stretching her mouth out, wedged yeah, in. Yeah. And once again, it evokes. I don't know if you guys feel the same. Um, it evokes creep show. 
Because the birthday cake sequence with the head, with the, yeah. the lights and all the rest. So straight away, yes. you've had your creep show link there, you've had your first story, same as creep show with the lights and the head at the end, and you're just like that. Oh, this is fucking brilliant. <laughs> you know, yeah. I totally love this. <laughs> Absolutely. And the way she was strung up on that pole, it was very much like, like if I didn't have children, that's what our Christmas tree would look like. <laughs> it was just so again it, it, a lot of uh, there's not a ton of there's not a lot of deep transition in this movie it just sort of cuts from scene to scene which it's meant to do you know it works well though no oh. go on then no I disagree because I think that the the way that Michael Doherty the director fucks around with the timeline in this movie yes. is amazing you don't get that from a lot of anthologies a lot of anthologies are just you know, five people in a room with a wraparound device, mm-hmm. you know, like like the old Amicus anthologies. It was like I was yes. saying before we actually started recording. It's Peter Cushing. You're trapped in a train car with him. He's reading your tarot. Uh, and the cards show that you get eaten by a tiger. Yeah. And <laughs> as is Dr. Dr. Tanner's. Right. Yeah, and then at the end too. of it, fuck, you get eaten by a tiger. You went full Patton Oswald just then. That was not intentional, but I'll take it. But, that, but that's but that's how those anthologies are. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, suddenly, oh, everyone's crazy. They're all patients in the asylum. The Robert Block mm-hmm. written movie. Yeah. You know, this one fucks around with the timeline, and that's great. That yeah. keeps you interested, and it's like, wait, what the fuck are? Oh. Yeah. Why are they there? It's, oh. it's like it's like they took your classic horror anthology. And that horror anthology had sex with Pulp Fiction. <laughs> and they had a baby. And that baby was this movie. <laughs> it's, it's an immersive thing as well, because like the, the one of the early clips that we see is of the this idea that this particular town has this parade and this celebration about Halloween. And the, the, the whole town gets involved with it. And Ooh. from there, that's your set and done. We need no, we no longer yeah. need to worry about like in other anthologies, like X was saying, you'd be going someplace fantastical and all over yeah. the world or whatever. We don't need to do that. We're all self-contained. We're in one place. Sam is your linking device between all the stories, and he just wanders from place to place. And that on paper seems really easy, but to pull it off in a way where the sequence well, is effective, exactly, all yeah. makes sense. The story isn't the story isn't told linear either. It jumps backwards and forwards, yeah. very much like Pulp Fiction. But it all works. As I, I, I love the way they tie it together. Where when you get to a later story, you see what that other bit referred to. Me like ah, exactly. oh, you yeah. get to see the other side of it each time. It's brilliantly done. Yeah, it's, I mean it's it's incredible. And what I like about it as well is that at one point we get the start of three different stories so we get when we get the start of the the girls basically looking to pick up guys we have that story running at the same time as we have the headmaster um, and the headmaster's interaction with the brian cox character as well is also happening so we have three stories concurrently happening and you don't get that in anthologies either. You never get that in anthologies. No, do that no because they're that all could be so seen, sectioned off. It would be seen as being potentially too confusing, like to like an, an, an audience, your average audience, that might be seen as quite confusing. But the beauty of it is that when the stories then start to meet, meet their conclusion, you then see how they're linked up. And then you're like, yes. oh, I remember that bit from earlier and those characters from there. And once again, that's 
I mean, the, the reveal, and I'm jumping ahead here, but the reveal of who the vampire is <laughs> in this movie, oh. when that's given, it's just fucking wonderful because we've oh, all, God, yeah. Yeah, we've already <laughs> spent you know, an entire segment with that character. Yeah. Already. And then when he appears like at the end of the movie playing the sequence we've already seen before from a different angle, you're like, this well, is it's... just fucking brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And at the, sa- at the same time, um, very close to that, you get the reveal about the virgin. Which is equally as, oh my god, yes, of course, you know. Very few anthologies are able to double tap you like that. Yeah, yeah, You know. I like that, I like that. <laughs> Where you're just, oh, yes, oh. oh. You also have the story of the um, four kids collecting the jack-o'-lanterns that have been to the headmaster's as yes. well. Which is the, which is the one that they put in, yeah, when they put that in the middle, that separates the stories up. So it gives you your break, your natural break, and the storyline to, you know, to, but that story, because it comes in the middle, is probably the most effective out of all the stories in here. As it's like oh. I think X oh. said offline, obviously what he what he says about it, but the the story itself is that's horror. Like yes. we're covering horror mythology with werewolves and all the serial killer who puts you know things in the candy and all the rest. We're covering folklore and all the rest, and then we get an actual proper ghost story. And that yes. ghost story is absolutely fucking terrifying. And it deals with kids as well. It deals with kids on both both ends, the kids that are playing the practical joke. But at the same time, the story of what has happened to the kids. I'm assuming that you thought this was the best bit this time around, yeah? I'll, oh, yeah. I'll, I'm going to be quiet now. Yeah, so. no, because the reason that that particular section works so well is because if you're a parent, it's terrifying that you would think that somebody would do that to children. Yes. But if you're a teenager watching this movie, just trying to watch a scary movie for Halloween, that's also terrifying because you understand what it's like to be marginalized mm-hmm. like yes. that. So it works on both levels of whatever audience this film could have. And it's so effective. And it, it really, I mean, you know, the first time I watched it, of course, you know, I was drunk. But the second time, <laughs> going through it, utterly horrifying. Just to the bone, chilling. It and it is so is, yeah. good. So good. And and they pay the bus driver to Why commit this horrible that? act. And so, it, it not, you know, it's like those articles that everyone sees on Facebook all the time. It's outrage porn. Mm-hmm. You see that. And if you have children, you, you think, fuck them. I will find those parents and I will kick their asses because that's fucked up. Because the movie covers, I mean, if you if you strip it back to the, the five stories, the movies basically cover premises that we're all familiar with if you're mm-hmm. in horror. So when you count them down, like that middle segment is the is the creepy campfire ghost story, really. Reminds you of like things like... Uh, the campfire stories in Crystal Lake where they tell you about, you know, out in that lake there, Jason, you know, was a kid and he drowned and he comes back to wreak vengeance and that, I think that that's why it works and if the whole movie was like that, the whole yes. movie wouldn't work and that's where the strength of this movie is it tackles all the things, there's something, even if you were the most marginalised horror fan, um and you were so, like, you only liked one specific aspect of horror, there's going to be at least one story in Trick or Treat that you're going to enjoy. And Absolutely. they cover all the bases. If you're a well-rounded horror fan, there's no way you can't like this movie. Um, <laughs> now, I'm, like, m- myself and Ben, we are not Americans. I don't know if people had noticed from listening. 
our voices. We don't, <laughs> yeah. we don't. I know. Yeah. I know. I sometimes get called out in it. But trust me, if you'd heard me try to say an American accent, then you'd understand. I'm definitely Scottish. The fact that like both myself and Ben have grown up in countries that like the the idea, the premise of Halloween, you know, comes from the old country. It comes from the UK. It comes from Europe and all the rest. America have really made it like a business as a huge business but i quite like the business i see how they yes. celebrate halloween yeah. in this country and it's pretty fucking non-committal and fairly miserable and then i see how americans oh, embrace it and decorations oh we tend to go all out here yeah well that's what i mean well, like yeah. i i end up being the only house in the neighborhood that does something you know what i've, I've been here i've only been in this country for about eight years but in those eight years, I've noticed that every year it gets a little bit bigger it's, it's, I mean, and a little bit bigger yeah. and a little bit better. Um, you guys have really good scare attractions now, proper scare attractions now that when I go in them, I'm like, oh, God, I'm going to get killed in here. And, and people are decorating more. So, I mean, I think it's going to just slowly grow yeah, over so. here. But when I talk to a lot of old, the older generation, a lot of them say, you know, trick-or-treating, oh, you know, that's begging. They saw it as begging. You go and you, you're begging at people's houses. That's not okay. You know, and they and they didn't really get it, but I, I think they're starting to get it now, you know? We don't have that stiff upper lip attitude about Halloween that they probably do in the United Kingdom. No. But... I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Um, but the reason that it's such a business in America is because we don't have the the, the, the pagan connection to it that we probably should, actually. Mm -hmm. I think we'd give it a lot more gravitas if we did have that. But this is such an overwhelmingly Christian country that, you know, our churches over here don't do trick-or-treat. They do fall harvest festivals yeah. or they do something called trunk or treat which is where everybody pulls their fucking hatchback cars up into a church what? parking lot i've never heard open, of this really they open the back yeah. up and they give you candy and tracts now this is the complete fucking opposite of what Salwin is supposed to be so over here yeah when i say it's a business i bloody mean it the the, the point i was trying to make yeah um was that from an outsider's point of view as well looking at looking at that kind of display of like halloween celebrations like a whole township being involved in all the rest as a foreign concept to me but i love it absolutely love it and you know i want to be part of it and that just sells the movie really it sells it even harder for me but at the same time i know that one of the reasons it's held in such high regards from American audiences is because of exactly the same reason, is that, you know, it, it perfectly encapsulates their idea of the perfect Halloween. This yeah. idea that everyone, everyone, every house, bar maybe one or two in the town, completely take part. They're all involved, and everyone's, the kids are all out, and the neighbours are I was going to say the exact same thing. It's yeah. like, this movie is just like, especially for like the Brits and the Scottish, where it hasn't really been fully celebrated. This is just like, I wish it was like this. Exactly. <laughs> you watch that, and you, you're like, I, even with all the horrible shit that's happening to people, I like, would take that risk. <laughs> I would have that risk to have it in my street. And yeah, it's, it's one of the reasons I think the movie... Like, once again, it's this idea of tying everything in. I think that's why it works so well as as an anthology, is this idea that you are put in a place where within 
10-15 minutes you're completely comfortable they don't need to do much in the way of any explaining at all of anything yeah. in this movie because there's enough goodwill built up within the first 5-10 minutes of this movie that they could do anything after that point you would just roll with it in this movie the way they've done even like the character development mm -hmm. it's one of those ones they don't do the character development before things happen they do it as the story progresses exactly. through it as well which is so well written but see that's why the the character of Sam is so important when you realize that Sam is Sam Hain or Samhain yeah. the actual spirit of Halloween yeah. and, he's, and he's just kind of running around you know avenging his holiday for people yeah. who don't celebrate it right or don't take it seriously and there's something amazing about that that I just he's that, so adorable yeah <laughs> You know, the pagan in me absolutely loves the fact that he's like, no, I'm taking it back. I love the fact that they did him with the sack head, but they put him in little long johns as well. Yeah. Right? Oh, it's amazing. Because <laughs> he does, he looks, he looks just like a little kid, and that's why he can travel pretty much anywhere in this movie and just not wanders attract, around, yeah, with not, a sack of dead cats. Yeah, not attract <laughs> any attention. So I mean, when and he's Pumpkinhead Junior. He is Pumpkinhead Junior. Pumpkin yeah. Um, I love Pumpkinhead. I really, really do. So you, so you then you've got this. Like I say, you've got all these different kind of ideas of what the the different horror stories are covering. So when we get things like werewolves and vampires we're kill cool with that because that covers that part of you know horror mythology. When we get the 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 killer teacher. Who, yeah. I love that story. I fucking love that story. The fact that I loved his relationship with his son. Yeah, at first, at first, it's. I mean, the way it's oh. developed is brilliant. But I love the fact that there is this like big thing, obviously, in American folklore, well, not folklore, but urban legend-wise, about you know the poisoning of uh, candy, the razor blades in the apples, and all these sort of things. So we get the nod to that. You know, this greedy little shit who's been destroying jack-o'-lanterns, wherever he's going <laughs> takes a handful of these you know, sweets and sits down and then the head teacher makes them eat them knowing fine well that he's poisoned one of them and I love that line, you know, always check your candy, and you know that's <laughs> like, then you get a, a, a river of blood and spew that's uh, amazing it's chocolatey blood yeah, it's chocolatey blood and then I love and the fact there's this one chunk that comes out that's never actually defined yeah, like it might yeah. be like his spleen or something has been it's, hacked up yeah. but it, it was some <laughs> When he lifts them to carry him into the house, of course, the kid's still vomiting on him. Yeah, he's like, squeezing him, so bits are still all coming out. Yeah, oh, so, oh, oh, God. And then the kids arrive at the door, and Chapman, when he, when he opens the door with, with all the blood up his shoulder, the kid's just like, that's such a great costume. And he's yeah. just like... Apart from the one kid that sort of seems onto because he's looking at the trail of blood all the way up his steps. He's the he's like, something's not... But that's it, he's just like... Happy Halloween. <laughs> so sinister. So, so, so brilliant. So, so brilliant. And this guy's the is coolest it, guy. Anyway. Sorry? Is it okay if I refer to this entire section with the teacher as the headmaster ritual? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I had to get my fucking Smith's reference in here somehow. Yes. Sexy bitches. And we are treated to some bitch. sexy bitches. What, four or five sexy bitches trying on Halloween costumes? And there's no, a we, little boy. No, we had Anna Paquin and one other sexy bitch, and then two <laughs> others who thought they were. Yeah. But there's boobs. 
Yeah, Actually, yeah. I'm totally lying to all of you. There's no boobs. You see There's cleavage. Cleavage, yeah. yeah. There's the premise of boobs. Yeah, the only boobs you see in this movie <laughs> are in the <laughs> nature documentary at the beginning couple. Yeah. <laughs> they look and, so happy. You know, and the scene at the party in the woods. Do we see boobs in that yes, scene? Yes, you do. You I, do. I, I can see Ben with... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Around the dance at the campfire. Yeah, there are yeah. boobs. Ben's right. So they, we have we have these women trying on Halloween costumes, and there's and I'm only bringing up because it matters. There's a little boy who's mm -hmm. peeking in to the dressing room. Good lad. Watching him change clothes, <laughs> he's very excited, and uh, the mom pulls him away and says, "Oh, there's there are children in here. That's Could you they, calm down?" They're talking about all the sailors and all the people they've had each yeah, year. Had, yeah. Inverted commas. But um. <laughs> The reason I bring that little boy up is because that little boy is the same little boy that plays Sam oh, in this movie. I did not know that. Yes. Yeah. He, is, he is our little spirit of Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> so they, you have your group of alpha women who are, you know, talking shit and joking around. And, you know, you have the one virgin, of course. Gotta have the virgin. Rogue. Rogue, yeah. yeah. She hasn't Suki developed Star her powers yet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they come out in their costumes looking all hot, and Rogue is not wanting to come out, so they bang on the door and, you know, come out, or we're going to huff and puff and blow your door down. And so... Uh, uh, she can blow whatever she wants, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she can. Um, so she comes out dressed as Little Red Riding Hood, and she looks adorable. I, I love that costume. I don't care what any of you guys say. It's an adorable costume. I would absolutely wear that. I'm sorry. I just have a problem with her as an actress because she has that whole Bella face. She does not have Bella face. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not Bella bad. She does have the face, uh, but she does It's not like Bella bad. <laughs> yeah. So, so they, they're they're all. I, I love the fact that all the way through that whole segment the direct references to wolves um, all the way right through it. Um, so, of course, when we get a reveal at the end, it's like, oh, of course, of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. The, the, the changing scene where they all come out in their outfits, mm -hmm. and we were debating this, you were saying, oh, because they say, oh, come on, it's tradition. And you say, no, it's tradition that they get dressed up. I think it's tradition that the Virgin comes out as Little Red Riding Hood. Yes. See, I don't think it is. I think, I think it's I, tradition I, I, that no. they all get dressed up. I think Duncan agrees No, no, no. I think, I think they say something about... Do they not say something, like, almost in direct reference to the yeah, fact... Yeah, she comes out going, I think silly shouldn't know, because they were like, it's tradition. It's tradition. And, and, were, they, and were they talking about I, the I, actual costume? I, I believe they were. Yeah. No, to her hmm. costume. Oh, because I thought they were talking about the in general. No, I think they were talking to her because yeah. she's the virgin. She came out as a little red riding hood. Yeah. Right. I think, I think it's like a, like a rite of passage to dress up that because of the folklore of little red riding hood. Yeah. It's like twisting it, it's inverting it almost. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I, that's, that's how I took it. I took it yeah, same here. Uh, as Ben. And the advice they give her is... Is fantastic. Um, well, well, are we talking well, about trick about or treat? Or are we talking about fiddler on the roof all of a sudden? <laughs> if I were a rich man, tradition. <laughs> tradition. After, after this, you know, you, you see them walking down the street and everything, and they're talking to her, and it is so an ode to the '80s movies where they're giving advice to the Virgin. They're they're like, oh. You know, come on, it's it's so obvious. You might as well have a sign on your forehead, kind of. Mm. The fucking with you because you're a virgin thing. That That isn't really a thing 
in movies outside of the 80s. That was know, but a I big thing. The in whole the conversation 80s. between them. Wait, was good. Wait. If I'm not mistaken, you just compared Trick or Treat to meatballs. No, 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 no. no. Wait, meatballs? <laughs> The Bill Murray oh. Summer Camp movie yeah. where he takes Chris no, Pitts under his wing and Chris is a virgin. Why do I talk? Uh, <laughs> because you need to remind me that I need to watch Meatballs you again, watch obviously. Uh, <laughs> I was saying, oh yeah, the whole conversation between them is very much like the the old 80s movies. 80s Because I was like... Because I was like, oh no, just pick anybody. She's like, no, but I want it to be the right one. I want it to be special. Whole... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck off, Molly Ringwald. You know, all the references to wolves and, and Little Red Riding Hood and all of that from the dressing room. Mm-hmm. As they're walking down the street, having this conversation about the virgin, about, you know, she needs to just get it over with and it doesn't need to be special and, and all of that nonsense. That conversation takes you completely out of the whole Wolf Red Riding Hood mindset, and it puts you into that 80s slasher mindset, so that later on, when Red Riding Hood is walking down the path and someone, you know, the the, uh, guy jumps out at her, you're expecting her to be the victim. Mm -hmm. You're expecting there to be an 80s slasher-style chase, through the woods and, and, and that sort of thing. There's so many twists in this movie. Yeah, yeah they, they set it up and it, they set your expectations up and then they they turn them around on you, which is brilliantly done, I thought. Yeah. Absolutely brilliantly done. Another thing I love about this movie, and y'all can talk about this, is I like how it touches on urban legends <laughs> about oh, how yeah. The whole thing about check your candy, you know, that plays into it so hard. And that's one thing that I absolutely love about this movie is it takes those legends and just kind of turns them on end, you know. And you would think that a movie titled Urban Legend would do that, but it doesn't (laughs) as effectively as Trick or Treat does. It really just, it, it takes everything that you think about Halloween and fucks it up. It makes I it love it. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, it's not even, the you know, the scene you were just talking about where he says, you know, oh, there's one tradition you're missing. You've got to check your candy. And the kid, I'm, okay, first I've got to say the, the audio that they used Brilliant. for the kid puking. <laughs> Makes oh. me feel sick every time. I mean, it, it's. We, we, we watched it earlier and oh, had a full blown conversation about that. Just the audio of the bubbling, <laughs> yeah. gargling noise. You're oh just like. Oh my god. Because <laughs> it sounds like yeah, vomiting it, sponges. It makes me. Yeah, it makes me. I'd just eaten Chinese too, and I was just like, oh Christ. <laughs> it, it is way too realistic for me. Also, oh. I can't do puking. I can, you know, stab someone in the eyeball with an ice pick. I'm fine. Mm. Don't, don't, don't film them throwing up. Yeah. <laughs> the razor blades mixed with candy. Yes. That I Brilliant. mean, when I was growing up, I don't know about you guys, but when I was growing up, my mother made me sit down every night we trick or treated, every night after. And check every bit of candy for razor blades because crazy people put razor blades in candy. Especially and I, you grow. Uh, we had to check it all for razor blades, and that that 
was a thing you grew up with in the States. It's and, not a thing. Yeah. yeah, it was never a thing in the UK, ever. Nah. You don't know what it's like, then, Duncan, to take a Snickers fun size bar that's sort of like this fucking big <laughs> and break it up into eight pieces before your mom <laughs> lets you eat it. Yeah. No. It's like just enough to piss you off because it takes like 15 minutes to yeah. eat a fun size yeah. candy bar. But, but you, you guys went door to door and got fun size candy bars. We got monkey nuts and satsumas. So, I mean, it's a monkey nut. That, that's Scotland. That's like, yeah. you know, that's really what, what would they, listen, <laughs> in, my, in my country, up, only recently did we start carving pumpkins. Before that, you carved a turnip. Do you know how long <laughs> that you know takes? No, 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 that's right. That's right. And carve a turnip. Do you know how long that takes? Do you know how hard start, it's You start at the beginning of the Well, no, the thing, at least a pumpkin's hollow. Exactly. A turnip's, <laughs> a turnip's like a. It's like carving a brick you with a, yeah, a spoon. Cut it. <laughs> a turnip is harder than the hobs of hell. You've got to choose like a fucking toothpick for that shit? That's crazy. That's what I mean. You had to start carving your pumpkin on the 1st of October to be ready for the 31st of October. <laughs> and you have to cut the candle in half because it's a tiny turnip. So, Except in Scotland, you just you come to the door and they just throw scotch eggs and pints at you. That's really all. <laughs> that's what happens. Come to they headbutt you on the way out. Uh, come to my door, that's the trick. And pies and beer. Uh, but no, that's what I mean. Like that, that thing was never an issue here, probably because like when that was all kicking off in the eighties, those those stories. In the 80s in the UK, you very seldom got that when you went to someone's door. It tended to be fruit. <laughs> tended to be fruit and mixed nuts. Witches. Oh, no. So, yeah, Danny, it was always just candy. Bags and bags what of candy. Fucker, right? Flaunting <laughs> your English wealth at this year. No, well, no, you one, can't. One year, it was like, you know, you went out with a rucksack on, so you could fill up your bag and then, like, load it back up, ready to carry it. I've got nothing in my bag. <laughs> Nothing in my bag yeah. is empty. There's a, there's, a, there's a really cool sequence, though, that links in once again, and it's the attention to detail in the movie overall that I just think is astonishing, because the more you watch this movie, the more you're going to pick up on just, like, things... Yes. You, you do. It, it is a movie you have to re-watch a few oh, times God, to you... catch all the bits. I mean, I, I've watched it probably 30 or 40 times, and I'm still, still finding odd bits. little bits. Today, I picked up, when I watched it just before we started recording, I picked up on the fact that the headmaster tells his son that he cannot... It can't take him to the parade because he's got a date with a woman, and then yeah. later on, he is stalking and killing a woman dressed as a vampire, so that's his date. I, I think, like, like, when I picked up on it, I was like that, that's really fucking clever. Because that's your next scene. Your next sequence is a woman at the parade and she's been hunted by a guy who's wearing a mask. It looks like we think he is actually a vampire. And I love the fact that the reveal later on is he's not a vampire. That's well, fucking it, brilliant because you're, you know what I love surreal, about... Vampires not. It's just like fucking brilliant. I love it. They just <laughs> yeah. No, but you know... Yeah, and they were just like, oh, very nice. But they pull his teeth yeah, out. Like, <laughs> but you know what I love about that scene? I love because you don't know it's him, and he and he he obviously takes out the woman at the parade, and then he you see him stalking the virgin Laurie. later on, and he attacks her, and then you see him fall from the trees. Now at this point, when you find out the reveal, mm -hmm. you've already seen all of these touching scenes of him being a good father to his son. Yeah. And you've also seen these touching scenes of insecurity on the part of the virgin Lori. Mm -hmm. And 
But you you've also know. seen him murderizing no, people and chopping them up. No, but it doesn't <laughs> matter. It doesn't matter. You don't know who to root for. It's just sad either way. Just, you know, no matter whether he kills her or she kills him, it's sad. Yeah. You're given no other out. He's, he's, you know, he's a he, predator in the movie because he like, he's preys obviously small kids at the beginning. He, he preys on killing kids. Um, which is funny when you consider what his job is. He's the headmaster of a school. Uh, yeah. Which I think is brilliant. It was again. I think that's just stress relief. Is, I think it's just a strategy. It's just, to me, that's yeah, just... But you know what? Okay, I'm going to defend him for the killing kids He's... thing because the kid he, they show him kill yeah. that eats the poison candy is a right from... little fucker. And you can guarantee he's <laughs> one he knows from school. Of course. Oh, God, course. yeah. yeah. Well, no, yeah. He you knows know he name. does because yeah. he says at the beginning when he yeah. comes up to the gate and he's up there stealing the candy, he's like, well, that's not good for your diabetes, is it? Yeah. yeah. You know? He know. obviously knows him and the kid's obviously a little shit yeah. See, and here's where this movie excels, as far as I'm concerned. I'm, you know, as a writer, I'm all about ambiguous characters. Mm-hmm. There's no good guys. There's no bad guys in this movie, except for Sam. Yeah. And you have to yes. sympathize with Sam, and that's fascinating to me. Yeah. And you are so, so, so. That, that right. is one thing I found all the way through. It's Sam you root for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's, yeah. he's your, when he's, he's your Lincoln device. Oh no, no. There's also um, oh, what's her name? The the disabled girl. I felt myself written. Yeah, the autistic girl. He's not disabled. She's yeah. autistic. She's autistic. Sorry. She's at least, she's on the spectrum at least. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, I can, I have she's to. De- I have to defend her because Ron told his friend Seb at work that we were going to be reviewing this movie for the Halloween special, and what did he say? Oh, the one with Misty in it. Apparently, I'm the autistic Halloween girl. <laughs> Not the sexy werewolf chick. No. The autistic Halloween girl. <laughs> I'll get my tits out right now. <laughs> yes! No, you know what? I'm not. I, I, I'm totally kidding because I am honored to be compared to her because she knows the traditions. Mm-hmm. She abides by the mm-hmm. traditions. And yeah. fuck those stupid She's the fi- she's the final girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Makes yes. Yeah. It's... And I did love the bit after her scene is when she's walking off with a jack o' lantern in the little trolley. Exactly. And Sam Ains there and it's just a sort of little nod they, to They nod each other and they walk They carry across. He goes down to where they are and she walks off home. Exactly. It's brilliant. And let's talk for a second about how Doherty handles that whole school bus crash scene, okay? Because it is genius. Most American filmmakers, and by most American filmmakers, they're so fucking blatant. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, I'm thinking Michael Bay. Uh, because he's the worst offender of film that I can... It would have exploded four times on the way down. <laughs> right? Worst and it would have turned into fucking Optimus Prime and saved all the autistic kids. But the thing is, <laughs> the bus goes off the cliff and you don't see it crash. The camera no. moves very slowly to the precipice of that cliff and then over. Yeah. So you see it just as it's finishing sinking into the quarry and then the masks float up. And it it literally makes me want to cry. It is so so good. Mm-hmm. And e- and even even then, it's not centering. Oh, it, it centers in on it, but it's not. It's not exploited. On shot, it's like out of the corner of your eye, and then it comes around the mask. Yeah. And and 
which when you consider the movie that's the beauty of it is that it knows when to not do that because in this movie you see a woman's throat gets slit you see someone's Achilles tendon be slashed you you know what I mean you see see a kid puke up blood you know what I mean it's not as if the camera doesn't want to show you that stuff but when it comes to that sequence it knows it doesn't need to show you that and it's more effective in not showing you so the whole thing is good storyline and well chosen shot there's a lot of there is art in this film that no one seems to talk about, but this is such a well-directed film. Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't understand why it's not being taught, like at fucking Columbia or <laughs> NYSU. It's, it's just so... Like Duncan said, the ways that it shows restraint are almost better than the way it shows full-on gore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is how horror should be. You take that shit into the shadows, yeah. and you too many feel movies are just like all-out gore, show you everything. Right, and right, right, right. It's too much sometimes. Think, you don't need think it. Think about when this movie was made. This movie was made 2006, I think. Yeah, 2007. Right, right in the middle of torture porn. I mean, it's in the time frame and window where studios are financing movies with basically budgets for gore like go daft yeah. we want to see people's arms be ripped off we want to see sinew and we want to see all that stuff and this movie and it comes down to the fact that is one person behind the writing one person behind it he's had the vision from the start he did the writing he did the directing it's his full vision on the screen you're not dealing like we get with yeah. the vhs movies where you're dealing with five different directors who have got no communication at all they're all just doing their own thing and then someone has to try and link it up which never fucking works. Um, and it never works. The Lincoln stories in all those movies are awful because it, no, oh, one, yeah. no one cares. No one cares. It's just a case of just, <laughs> just, just do that. And th- there's a lot about this movie as well that kind of reminds me. Like, we're talking about Sam being this character that's the ever-present character that links all the stories up. And it reminds me of something adorable. like uh, Cat's Eyes, which, you know, are our through line for that is the cat. And you, you, we get all these stories with the cat interacting. It, Obviously, it's over a longer time period, but in the in the case of this one, it's just you've got one guy just getting to do probably he's getting to cover every base of horror. You know, he's get he's he's got the he's got the, the dream of every horror director. He gets to make the creature feature. He gets to make the slasher movie. He gets to make the you know the the ghost story. He gets to make the old man yes. in the house movie. He gets to do all this. Um, he's, he's got, in about an hour and a half. Exactly. <laughs> and this movie, there's there's a key point. This movie's an hour and 22, an hour and 22, yeah. and it's long. They cram five stories into it, and it doesn't feel rushed. How do, you know, no. no, not at all. Perfect not pacing. At all. And, See, and, and in that respect, where you were talking about it being one director, one writer, one vision, mm-hmm. you can compare this very easily. And you know how I feel about this movie, Duncan. You can compare it very easily to Tenebrae. Oh yeah! Oh fuck yes! Oh. Yeah, we were talking about how this movie opens and it feels like creep show, and how this movie finishes and feels like creep show. The last story and the link of all this is about an old guy who lives himself. In both movies, <laughs> an old guy who lives himself, who and in the case of creep show has a phobia and then is you know is left with this idea of having to deal with his phobia in a way which overwhelms him. Um, and it's kind of similar again at the end of this movie which like wraps out the story perfectly in that what we have is we have an old guy who we find out 
at the end of the story is actually the bus driver from earlier on. I loved that link. I fucking love that link. Absolutely brilliant. It is that one moment in the movie where you're like, oh, what? Everything is the circle of life, man. Everything is linked. It's brilliant. Part where the lights come on and there's all that writing on the wall, all that trick or treat. Give me something good to eat. And what, what I loved about that is that's the only clue we get. Because we don't know what Sam wants no. from this guy. We have no idea why. We have an idea of why he's kicking his ass, but we don't have. We just think he's out to get him. We don't know that there's any way to stop it. And that's the only clue that this guy gets of how to appease Sam. He says, Give me something good to eat. So if he'd just given him a freaking candy right then, right? shit would have been over. It's like but the Wicker Man. If he had just slept with Willow to begin with, none of that other <laughs> shit would have happened. Say, but to be fair to the old guy, if I saw that on the wall, I would have just assumed that dude was fucking with me. I wouldn't have gotten it right away and been like, yeah. Oh, I should literally give him candy. I would have thought, He's trying to scare me to death. <laughs> and that's just like that that like you go from him seeing that in the wall obviously being quite terrified to having his Achilles tendon cut and then I'm falling down a flight of stairs with candy laced oh, and with razor blades razor everywhere. blades in broken glass uh, it's a bit when he's trying to unlock the door and you see his hand is ready he's, yeah, like, he's got like desperately trying to undo the lock can't do any of them and, and then obviously the battle ensues in such a way but what, what I think is great and like Misty referred to this earlier on as a double tap and we're keeping that for continuity um, that the double tap ending to this is fucking brilliant because Sam lets him go you know Sam lets him go and like you know he's got his candy but Sam lets him go and he's a reformed character from that point he's given out the sweets yes. and all the rest and we're kind of like well he's learned his lesson that's great nah <laughs> doorbell <laughs> Don't get away that easy. Yeah, like, opens the doorbell and then he's confronted by the reanimated corpses of the dead kids. Which is, once again, the perfect, the perfect. But that's the that final ending, then it goes to the comic book scene well, showing no. you what they're doing. Yeah, to which him. is fucking well, no, brilliant no. ending. Ben's right when it cuts to the comic book ending, right at the very end. Mm-hmm. Once again, very, very creep show. It's just like, this movie is the perfect horror anthology. From start to end the perfect horror anthology because it plays into all those horror anthologies that we love does it in this seamless continuous fashion um, it's actually pretty scary gore effects are it fucking is. brilliant um, the stories are great the acting is phenomenal uh, there's some ropey special effects in places but not in a way where you're like oh my god that's so bad CGI none of the effects really yeah. was bad enough to where yeah. you thought it's, you know, it didn't take me out of exactly, the and you get you yeah. get to the point when this movie finishes that you 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 ask some serious questions, and the first question you ask is one: Why is this? Why did this movie not make make theaters? And um, I'll touch on that, right? but it didn't, yeah. and it, it it was in. I mean, it's it's still in a degree of develop well, not development hell, but release hell. I mean, there's no. Blu-ray release for this in the UK to the best of my knowledge Um, and there's no intention to do that either Um, but then you've got to think to yourself as well right so we had that we had that that kind of lack of release for this movie to why why are more people not talking about this movie see when Halloween swings round 
why is this not the first movie? And it would like so many people like that. It's time to get into the Halloween mood. It's October first. But that watch this. Watch We're gonna watch movie. thirty-one horror movies this month and then ignore the genre the rest of the fucking year. But it's like we'll watch thirty-one <laughs> horror movies. You know what I mean? It's like we'll watch thirty-one horror movies this month. And you're like, right? And then you see the list of horror movies. You're like that. Why would you watch the worst of the genre? Why don't you start it with Trick or Treat yeah. or finish it? Which are oh, I think the thing that makes this the perfect horror anthology, and it really is, I think even above yeah. Creepshow, it is. Oh, God, yeah. Trick or Treat's a very moral film, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. When yes. you think about it, it's extremely Subtly moral. All the bad guys get everything that they deserve, and that's always an audience pleaser, for sure. Oh, absolutely, because you feel... Righteous. Yeah, and that's you can look down on these people. Yeah, and that's interesting to me that 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 is such an integral part of the horror genre is that unspoken morality. Here's what has to happen to these people in order for us to feel good about watching this film. Interesting, and this one just really plays it out. I think, I think the best. I mean, even in Creepshow, we have Jordy Verrill. He didn't do anything wrong except touch a meteor. And that is all he did wrong. And that was just a mistake. Fuck, I would have touched it too. So I think in that respect, yeah, Trick or Treat definitely bests Creepshow in its perfect, unerring morality. Horror at its best is a morality tale, and Trick or Treat is the finest of them. If you haven't seen Trick or Treat by this point, we are badgering you to do so, you lazy-ass fucker. So are we even going to bother rating our Halloween question? Uh, yeah, we're rating it. How many hatchets do you guys want to give Trick or Treat? I know we didn't give a full, like, detailed review, but I'm not going to spoiler this movie. How many hatchets do you guys want to want to rate this bad boy? It's out of five. Oh, it gets five. It's, uh, it's yeah, out of five hatches. We've just not done any good movies. That's why we haven't got any ratings over like three Two. so far. <laughs> Two or three. Yeah. It's, it's a perfect movie. It's a five. Yeah, it is a I, five. It is a five. I, five. I've got to agree with you guys. It is absolutely five Our hatches. first and very deserving five hatchet movie. Oh my god, everyone celebrate. It's our very first five oh, hatchet yeah. movie. Woo! Rah, 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 rah. I'm celebrate. Can I go get another drink? Well, uh, hopefully you enjoyed that. And uh, join us up next for Night of the Demons. Do you like movie reviews that are insightful, thought-provoking, and delivered by somebody who's trained to critically dissect every aspect of a motion picture without ever having to use obscenities? Then you've got the wrong show Kruger Nation Horror Podcast is ready to feed your slasher movie and exploitation needs there'll be more blood expletives and titties than you can shake your grandma's beetle flaps at visit www.krugernation.com Faye Ray (coughs) Janet Lee (coughs) Adrian King Heather Langenkamp. <laughs> Amy Steele. That weatherman who saw the cockroach. That, oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Jamie Lee Curtis. <laughs> and you. Come on. You know you wanna. Let her rip. <laughs>
There. Now don't you feel better? You are now officially a Scream Queen. Come play with the rest of us at www.screamqueens.com. That's Queens with a Z. Or you could subscribe to us on iTunes. Either way, it's gonna be fucking fabulous. The Scream Queens Horror Podcast. It's where horror gets bent.
would like to welcome Patrick from Scream Queens. Little known, little known fact about Patrick: he actually not only is an amazing actor, but also at one time totally banged the Red Power Ranger twice. That is <laughs> so cried. hot. It, it wasn't just a suit that was red when I was done with him. What? <laughs> what did that even mean? Why? Why are you just throwing shit at me? What is? Nobody said this was improv night. Okay. <laughs> Hi, everybody. And uh, Johnny Krug from Kruger Nation Horror Podcast, who not only was once a groupie for the White Stripes, but also the original inventor of the mankini. That's partially true. I also uh, used to bang Meg Meg White. (laughs) Back before she had Jack Black's VD. (laughs) Or Jack White, not Jack Black. Well, she might have Jack Black's too. Who knows? (laughs) Man, all these colors following names. It says we're here. Could I just say how good he was? And I still know what you did last summer. He was the best part of that. No, he wasn't. It was terrible. It was the terrible. white Jamaican terrible. guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was so good. He's like, please take my name off this movie. <laughs> There's a lot of random people in that movie. Because I'm pretty sure one of the dock hands at the beginning is someone, too. I've... That is what I consider the quintessential this one bitch movie. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what the this one bitch genre of movies is, it's something I discovered. I invented. It's my thing. It's one of those movies where everything that happens, all the bad stuff happens, happens because of something that this one bitch did. God. <laughs> and Ever since you invented that concept, I cannot watch a movie without pointing out this one bitch. All the bad decisions that get everybody killed as the movie goes along usually come from this one bitch, and everybody dies except... This one bitch. <laughs> I like that. It's the, it's the king of them. I, I think Night of the Demons is the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We've had to purposely, I've had to purposely force myself not to say this one bitch during our reviews. because Oh, you by all it. means, popularize it. Just drop my name. Or I will sue the living shit out of you. Because <laughs> that's what Americans do. All right. Uh, Check out the trailer. This is Night of the Demons, which you really should have seen by now. A full moon. A spooky, deserted mansion. Halloween night. All right, dudes. And it does. That's pretty. Ten kids. All they want to do is raise a little hell. Now, as long as they live, they'll wonder what's gotten into them. Night of the Demons. Blessed be the sinners. For the Day of Atonement is at hand. Stop looking at me.
of the demons party till you drop night of the demons ah that's <laughs> and angela hi well i'd like to welcome angela night of the demons here we have one of my favorite all-time halloween movies ever made mm-hmm. i love this fucking movie spoilers it's gonna get a get a good hatchet rating. Okay, so are we done? Do we not have to talk about it then? No, we totally have to still. <laughs> okay, just and they all died. Good night, everybody. Yes, they no, didn't I, all I, die. I like, I, what I love about this movie, it's one of the last gasps of the genre. This type of movie that they do not make anymore. This kind of feel, this kind of spirit, this kind of naughty fun to it, with practical effects and like low budget sleaziness, just does not happen now. No, not at all. It's one of the few movies from this time period, also where the black man lives to the very end. Spoiler. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he does. And right, he's properly. Mm. He's not. He's not. It's, I mean, especially in the '80s, you got a lot of this sort of where they walk with the limp and and sort of, I guess, '80s version of acting ghetto. Yeah, I got it. Um, yeah. And he he doesn't act that way at all in this movie, which I loved. He's just it's not the black character. You reminded you me know. of Carlton. So not Carlton. <laughs> Who's Carlton? For, he's talking about Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh, Carlton. So was that was, no, that wasn't me. I was I was too cool for, for Fresh Prince when that was out. I was in what? high school, college. I was like, I'm not watching that shit. <laughs> he just dressed like Fresh Prince. I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> now he's see Patrick up. with that sweet fade. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay, I would break that, get the get the cardboard out, and break oh, dance. Yeah. Tom Jones, it's not unusual. Hey, be popping and locking. You know that... one thing I love about this movie that, like, hands down, that, that just every time, and the reason I think this movie works so well is the ensemble cast. Oh yeah, like, Kathy Podwell, even though she didn't do a whole lot besides this, she's perfect as the lead girl in this movie. Oh yeah. Um, the thing is, I did not like her at first. Like, her acting is not good. It's stale. Very stale. Like her line readings are very much line readings. I'm trying to think. My mom and her cereal box recipes. Yeah. Just very about- but it works towards the end of the movie. Like, she turns it on when shit goes down. Yeah. There's so many times in this movie where I quote just her, like, the part where he's, she's like, the only girl I know is Angela, the creepy girl in class. And Jay's like, well, and she's like, Jay. Jay. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, she does that a lot. Jay. But there's a lot of good people. Like, they have, the guy who plays Jay's from Heather's and then the Asian girls from <laughs> Sleepaway Camp 3. And, I love my dead gay uh, song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Him and the guy from summer school get killed out in the woods. Yeah. Different <laughs> yeah. movie, but still awesome. Yeah, same thing. Awesome movie. Yeah, and what I like about this movie, even though the characters are pretty much all obnoxious, yeah, they're likable obnoxious. They are. Yeah. Like, which it, is a really hard thing to pull off. Very it's much almost so. impossible these days. Well, I think the thing that it was, what these, what, if I want to get all critical about things, like a lot of times you see movies like, I'm going to use Unfriended, you had five <laughs> friends in that movie who did not seem to like each other. Yeah. They were all obnoxious and nobody liked each other, so why are you hanging out? Well, the these people all did like that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> these people all seem to like each other. They Despite... seem to like each other, but they don't seem to know each other all that well. Yeah, like... well, they're all the misfits yeah. that had nothing that could that didn't have dates for the fucking dance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> too cool for it, or probably were expelled from school or something. There was it's kinda like that movie Dance of the Dead. 
with the zombies, you know, with the prom, yeah, where it's not it's not about the people at the prom, it's about the losers who couldn't get dates for the prom, who have to save the prom. So yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> but we're not talking about that movie. No, I love the cast. I think it's a great cast. And I think what really sets the tone, I love the opening credits. Oh, my oh, that, God. That animation is amazing. It's a total ripoff of Fantasia. <laughs> Not on Bald, Bald Mountain, but still, it works, and I love the electronic score in this movie. I'm not a big fan of Tevin Kenny's music all the way around, but this score completely works. Uh, yes, did you join his brother Dennis Tenney, the one that did the score? Oh, whoever, they're all the same to me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I'm a pretty big fan of his uh, scores usually because they're always. I mean, he's done a lot of big stuff recently, but back then it was a lot of this like that really overly like. Uh, dub synth kind of uh, yeah what the yeah and sometimes that works for me and sometimes it doesn't like I love it here and I love his work on Chopping Mall oh I forgot he did that one yeah I think the music in that is fantastic and I think it's great here as well plus he also did all the uh, the actual songs with lyrics and stuff in this movie too besides the Bathhouse song what songs with lyrics oh uh, oh yeah there's the one the one where Lene <laughs> quickly the love song uh -huh. there's the there's a computer date there's the love song and then uh I then about, and I lay by my computer date. That's right. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, they just released the soundtrack last month. Did they? On CD and vinyl, yep. And it's wow. actually restored, remastered, and uh makes you horny every time you listen. But yeah, and of course Linnea Quigley, who's always a treat. Oh yeah. For someone who can't act at all, <laughs> she's delightful. But what I think it's funny, you know how Marilyn Monroe, her voice influenced the way women spoke in movies for generations. Yeah. I see in horror movies to this day when a girl is supposed to play sexy, like the <laughs> sexy girl, all of her lines get delivered like Linnea quickly, like every word has to sound like I'm rubbing one out. <laughs> you know, I don't um... want to be late for the boys. <laughs> oh, God. That... <laughs> That's one thing I like about this movie, too, is there. we were talking about the way lines are delivered, like with Kathy Podwell and stuff. There's the line in this movie that um, it, it, I would say at least once a week my girlfriend or, or I will say to one another where she'll say something like, what do you want for dinner? And I'll be like, for tonight, anyway. Oh, <laughs> like, God. I want to eat a bowl of fuck. <laughs> uh, there's a YouTube tutorial video on eating a bowl of fuck and how to make a bowl of fuck for a party. It's got to be an oriental dish. <laughs> And you can get it in Phuket. <laughs> your Patrick was actually talking about the characters and how they're likable, but obnoxious. I think that's one thing I've heard in a lot of uh, reviews in the past is people say Stooge is such an asshole, but I'm like he's still likable even though he's an asshole. I would rather. Yeah, he's my favorite character. I know. I would rather I hang him. out with Stooge than fucking Jay any day. Jay's the only character that I distinctly couldn't stand and he's wanted to die. Everyone else, I was, you know, I could see myself hanging out with these people. Yeah, you know? he's horrid and like a date rapist. So yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah date but all the rest cool. of them seem pretty cool. And they're all demons right. Like, well, he, I mean, Kathy Potterwell was not a demon. He was totally going to take her in the. Really, who wants to have sex in the most unsexy, dirty ass place <laughs> in the world? That whole place is gross. You're going to get fungus in your in parts, in your, your, your inside Patrick. parts. I'm, I'm so going to say right that. now that if I were in that place with 
any of those four women, I would definitely throw down somewhere. This girl's got some class over here. I'm just like, no, no, my a back alley, maybe. Just turn the lights off so I can't say anything, and I won't notice that there are rats everywhere. But you know, that's fine. Unless that there weren't, actually... unless the rats are probably scared of the place. If too. you're having sex standing up, then you're not touching the dirty floor, so it, you're fine. Good point. Good point. Good point. You know, I Good thought point. the uh, the most effeminate character in this entire movie, like like even over the women, was uh, Roger. I thought, like. <laughs> He was the one character in this movie. It's like I think they let a gay black man live. <laughs> like that's yeah. a double. That's, yeah. that's a double win. Well, you know, was he gay? I was going to thought... chime in. He didn't have a date. Well, he see, was I the thought... third wheel. Yeah, uh-huh. That's another thing too. Is is a stooge in this movie? I mean, think of the lines he says and how in today's movies the way it would be delivered. There's the line where she freaks out after seeing the demon in the mirror, and he's like, "God, you can't take this bitch anywhere." Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like. <laughs> It's such a vile line, but it's funny too. Yeah, he, he always is like calling her a bitch. It's like, shut up, bitch, or everything. <laughs> <laughs> Start walking, bitch. It's just terrible. Oh, but, but something about the way he says it. It doesn't yeah. seem. I don't know. I mean, obviously, it's not nice or anything, but it doesn't seem <laughs> as malicious as yeah. it would be coming from anyone else. If you know what I mean. Like it seems. He's awful to everybody. Yeah. yeah. But, it's but just in that him. in that I want to be a bully kind of way, like look at my hair. I'm trying way too hard. Yes. To fit this <laughs> I role, I am the biggest teenage nerd. And uh, he has some sensitive sides, like when he doesn't, like when Linnea Quigley locks herself in the bathroom. He's like, well, I just thought we could go in and get up. Can we talk about her little brother? Oh Christ, the pervy what brother. Booby sis. Nice boobs, sis. And hey, hey, this is one of those rare movies where the, the, you get to see some ass and boobies on your Survivor girl. Yeah. Before anything happens. I'm like, that girl's dead. <laughs> do you think those nipples were hers through the bra, or do you think it was fake? I don't know, because it's weird, because there was clearly a kid on set. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, that's what they, like, I was kind of going that way, too, with that. I mean, unless he's a midget with horrible habits. Yeah, they say in the 80s, they were a bit more... Bit more laid back about that sort of thing, weren't they? You think I'd sell my sister out for a quarter? It's a dollar. (laughs) He's like, "What is this? Some depression?" (laughs) You know, another thing too about this movie is is another character that has had actually pretty exactly Sal. (sighs) Sal has had a huge career. I mean, he's been on. He's pretty much been in every movie or show where they've needed your typical Italian stereotype guy. Yeah. And uh, in this movie, he sticks out like a sore thumb just because they're all completely different from one another but he's like yo so go go with your sister you know fucker <laughs> he doesn't seem like he's in LA no well he might have just moved there and that's why nobody likes him yeah he moved he moved there from the Bronx yeah and they brought their furniture with the nice plastic slip covers which I, <laughs> I used to have to in that. my house and they are the worst because in the summer and you wear shorts you stick to them I hate those things <laughs> she's and like, then she's when, like, when, you, when you stand up it makes that noise like it's gross. <laughs> gross. I love that part. That's, there's so many clever lines in this movie where she's, I mean, and I know they're played up for comedy, and they have to be. Whenever she's like, you are home, Sally. He's like, no, this ain't my home. My home's a place with nice plastic slip covers on the furniture. <laughs> I live in a nice house. Yeah, yeah. But wait, this is one of those horror, horror comedies that work. Oh, absolutely. It's and such a hard actually... thing to pull off. It's life and death, and everybody's playing life and death, and maybe they say things that are funny in the moment, but that's not what's going on, because, like, I got to say, cooties, a lot of it works, and a lot of it's like, why why are you having a joke fest right now? Yeah. Well, and in both of those movies, you get to see Linnea Quigley's gaunch, so. (laughs) (laughs) 
Gonch. <laughs> Writing that one down. <laughs> yeah, I love I do enjoy the whole scene at the beginning. It's long. It's a long intro at the house with uh what's her name? Uh it's what's her name? Judy. Judy's mom and her creepy brother yeah. and the date coming and the poodle the turds. Sun dried poodle turds. <laughs> and mom is really mom is really hurt by that. She's genuinely hurt by his comment about her sun dried poodle turds. <laughs> My mom and her cereal box recipes. Oh, that's Every line she says through the whole movie, it sounds like she's wide-eyed. Uh-huh. Well, as, yeah, as well as she should. And I just, I only do when you first see the house, Hill House, totally a miniature model. Well, also, isn't there a shot of it where it... Isn't there a shot of Hill House to also where it's, like, animated? Yeah, it's like I a drawing it, with a, like, green screen background on it. Yeah, yeah it's like a matte painting <laughs> with, with a miniature in front of it. It's really silly looking, but I don't care, because yeah. that totally works with this low-budget uh, kind of nonsense. I'll comment to Misty, because it just reminded me of the Rocky Horror Picture Show where they show At the end, the yeah. <laughs> yes. That's one thing, one thing about this movie that I think is, is totally awesome, is that we're talking about it in 2015. The movie was made in 88, but if you listen to a lot of the background and stuff, this movie went through hell to be made. I mean, they they lost tons of funding on it. Like, they were shooting this in, like, the worst part of Los Angeles. Like, there were gunshots going off the whole time they were shooting it and shit. I when you think about guys that, were pissed. I thought that was a nice bit of LA. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, so I think it honestly worked out in their favor that this movie is... It, that it, The cinematography turned out really well, considering... Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I remember when it was in the theaters. Another thing about this, uh, Steve Johnson did special effects on this. He worked on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, tons yeah. of other big projects. The dude is pretty prolific, and uh, he actually, for a while, was married to Linnea Quigley, which is weird because he's the biggest fucking dork on the planet. Women, women <laughs> but, love big dorks. They do. <laughs> Are you talking about, they like, do. wolf dorks, or? <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I know what we're talking about here. <laughs> no, but, uh, I mean, yeah, the, uh, his effects on this are amazing. I mean, even though now, especially in high definition, you can be like, okay, well, I see how they did that. It still looks great. It looks amazing. It still looks great. Well, the thing is, what I think is fantastic, the demon face makeup is fantastic. And not only is everybody's face different, the faces change throughout the movie. Too. Yeah, Linnea, they get worse. They've got about four different faces. Progressively get worse. They Some do, them, yeah. They get, they get more demonic as it goes on. Well, you know what's funny to me? Is, is that when you listen to the commentary, that whole scene where she's a demon, and then she uh, goes, she goes to the door, and she's like, uh, like see Judy run, run Judy run, that whole thing. Yeah, uh, that whole thing was shot as a complete accident because I guess they didn't have enough time to put her in makeup and stuff. So like, let's just shoot it like this and <laughs> splice it in, and it works out that, even better that she can shape shift that fast. That's my favorite part of the movie: run Judy run, see Judy run. And then it cuts to the hallway with what's her the name, shadow. Judy. Judy, and there's the shadow of her that's clearly a cutout, but it looks human. But the angles are all fucked up and wrong. Like there's something really wrong about the shadow. And then there's all the doors slamming, which yeah. is fantastic. I love that. Now you know another something. thing about this movie that makes it one of the quint quintessential Halloween movies, and it's in. I, I can't think of another movie that even does this. Is this movie? has that old urban legend of the old man putting the blades in your, your candy yes. and your, your apples and, and, and wanting to kill all the kids because he's such a grumpy old piece of shit. Uh -huh. And they bring him in at the beginning of the movie 
And even he's even he even calls Judy a slut. He's like, you little slut, yeah. get the fuck out of my face. Yeah, she's like and, trying to help him up. And well, help fine, him. I wouldn't want to help an old creep like you anyway. <laughs> Can we just have a Johnny Krug and Patrick reenactment of the entire movie at, <laughs> at some point? Because that would just be amazing. I'll be Judy. I'll be Judy okay. and Angela in demon voice. Okay, good for you. Good for you. And one of the things I love is it's like, which I noticed this time watching around. How much of this movie is about Linnea Quigley's ass? That's how we are introduced to her in this movie. You think her ass was cold? Because she uses that fire pretty, I don't she know, pretty logically. She spent so much time with her ass in that fireplace. I was genuinely afraid that if she farted, she would have blown up the house before anything happened. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I think you broke Could you on. imagine at the end of the movie whenever they're getting that they're getting that uh that part the fireplace <laughs> and Anne Lene quickly turns around and they just blow the fire at it. <laughs> oh uh, I'm gonna die. I've always I've found that, that whole trope with the black guy being first to die to be only half true. Because what I find in a lot of movies too is that they'll be the last to die and they die sacrificing themselves for a white girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That happens that, way too often. That happens a lot. I'm thinking Alien 3. I'm thinking lots and lots of Whenever there's a white guy sacrificing himself for a black woman. Okay, we're not talking about that. That is not a horror movie. Well, it kind of is, but it's not. I'm just being stupid. Why don't you go back to sleep, Johnny Krug? Anyway, but, so I was kind of expecting, I was halfway, I'm like, okay, we got the total quintessential white girl. Roger's totally dying for her. Yeah, and they set and it up it, for it, too. They set it up so well in the whole furnace room area when it's just yeah. those two and they've they've bolted the doors so that you I'm know all that all their I'm, demonic friends can get in and you I, really I'm, expect I'm it i'm climbing over the wall and climbing over the wall yeah and yeah, yeah. Over, yeah. that scene that down. whole end scene is fantastic he saves her right yeah yeah he saves her he does save her but he doesn't die in the process i live uh, the next day though when, when they're walking home and that like, guy's so that's so pissed here. off like they're walking home and they look just they're covered in blood and bile and shit and the guy's still like yeah, dragging herself <laughs> home after being sexy or perverts all night. <laughs> That's the only way they'll get what they deserve. If, if they tonight. ended up killing him, that whole scene with there's something about when I just the, the whole disappearing gate. I love, I love that, and I just love that the whole end scene from the time she gets found. When she's because she's locked in the the autopsy room, which they couldn't get in. Demonic freaking yeah. the, the demonic was, ones that already turned couldn't get in that door. Well, they just left a, her in there. Yeah, there's a <laughs> demonic doorman. Yes, clearly who opens all the hit the button, bang, 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 all the doors closed. But yeah, so when they finally pull her out and Angela's right there in the hallway, she has been locked up the whole movie. She has no idea what the fuck <laughs> is going on, and she just hits the ground, which is exactly what I would have done. People are like, bitch, just fell over. I'm like, no, 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 no. She has no idea what's going on. She's been in there all night playing with herself. <laughs> I did feel like Sal, Sal, <laughs> Sal was a fighter in this movie, and I feel like his death is kind of a cop-out, and I've always felt that way, even though I just feel like him getting pushed off the roof onto a, like a, a stake is kind of like, well, he would have fought pretty hard against that. Yeah. The dude, I mean, the whole movie was kind of, I don't know, he was kind of balls out trying to, like, defeat the demons well i mean he did die saving them didn't he yeah I mean, so, and, and not only that but the demons were everywhere he was one i tagged to be one of the survivors when i first watched it oh me too yeah they should have brought the brother oh. the brother should have come to the house <laughs> no no because he, he had oh, no mother 
Shut up. Uh, I brought you guys some poodle turds. Uh, oh, no, he couldn't have survived because he had shrink wrap furniture. Well, he couldn't have survived because he was an asshole at the beginning. Yeah. Anybody that's an asshole at the beginning usually dies. Usually, mm. not always, but usually. I, lo- I love Angela being well, like when she's floating down the hallway. It's clearly she's on a roller dolly, but I don't care. I love it. It's fantastic. I like to pretend she's on a skateboard. Too, in the other <laughs> Her arm movement, love it. Oh, this is the thing I got from this time too. There's a certain point where she's running around, where Judy's running around the end, and she's running face to face into demons several times. And I noticed this time they all, when she, whenever she runs into them, they look at her and basically just belch in her face like. Bleh! <laughs> I love that bit. This is Ian, especially. Every single time. You know they got crypt breath. That's some nasty breath. The demon is nasty. Well, there's one scene where she rounds a corner and uh, Suzanne, Lene Quigley's character, is actually, she just does that whole belch face, but she's got like all the yellow herps around her mouth and stuff. The yellow herps around her mouth and her teeth come out of her, of her mouth, which is really oh, a yeah. fucked Was up that when they forgot to put the makeup on? <laughs> You're horrible. Oh, poor you're mm. you're such a dick. So you would die in a horror movie. <laughs> I think we all I think we all know that Patrick would be the in Survivor. He'd be the he'd be the final girl. Oh no, I, know I wouldn't survive. No no no, I'd be the guy. I'd be the smart one who'd get everybody else to the last reel, <laughs> and someone else being an asshole would get me killed. That's exactly oh, yeah. what would happen. Yeah yeah. yeah. Well, so, so I'll I'll get Patrick killed. Wait, no. Right. <laughs> I honestly think I'd be in that coffin with that Asian girl. <laughs> I don't know. Johnny, I don't bend that way. You know what's funny, though, is is after the possessed version of Stooge walks up and slams his arm in the casket. Uh, how did he die? The arm becomes immediately possessed within seconds. It's yeah, like but, flying across the room. And But why did it kill him? I don't he know. He bled out. Maybe, maybe <laughs> shock. bled out. You could die of shock and you bleed out. That's major yeah. arteries there. Asian vagina. Best, yeah. Asian vagina. Dead, when you have a dead Asian girl on top of you, you are dead. They release a toxin. Well, it's like, ring. you know, it's like every Asian horror movie, the hair just starts growing and it will strangle you. <laughs> That's every Asian horror movie ever has some shit with hair coming out of something. Uh, yeah, I love the set design for the house, too. Oh, it's beautiful. The lighting, the lighting yeah. everything. It's just a oh, fantastic yeah. set. And the, when you're inside, it seems huge, and you cannot figure out the layout of the place. No, no. But sometimes but, when you watch a movie, you can kind of figure out where you need to go. This house is a fucking maze. And it was it was the way that they shot the outside of it as well. It didn't – because a lot of these movies, you know, the outside of the house, it's like, okay, it looks like a big house. But when they go inside, it's ridiculous. You're just like, there's no way that fits in that. Yeah. But this yeah, looked yeah. – <laughs> it looked like – you know, <laughs> the right size interior for the yeah. outside. I don't yeah. know. It's a pet peeve that bothers me. <laughs> I get it because it, it's not the TARDIS. I had to bring up the lipstick scene. Can I tell you, I watched that. I watched this for the first time at a party. It was a Halloween party at my house in high school. I rented it unseen and everybody was watching it. We we round that 150 <laughs> times. We called people up who weren't at the party to come in and watch it. And she's like, just sit down, 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 just sit down. Just sit down. And they'd be like, okay, uh huh, breast, uh huh, oh, uh-huh. oh, 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 oh. Okay. And then they'd have to call somebody. We were there like till four o'clock in the morning before we saw the end of the movie. <laughs> Same thing happened in college. I rented it, and my roommate had the same reaction. Eventually, I had three priests in my room. We're like, okay, uh huh, uh huh, uh oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what's really great about this scene though is you watch her do this the whole scene's very hypnotic with her like swirling the lipstick around her boob around her nipple pushing it in 
And then within, I was saying within seconds after she actually does this, Jay walks in and she's normal. Like, yeah. there's no, he has no idea that she is like completely gone at that point. So I can't so, get my face right. Well, she's not completely normal. Yeah. <laughs> Let's stick all over her face. Still did not like ICP. <laughs> I, I like the heart. I like the heart on her face though. Uh huh. Like that lipstick heart she had. Johnny Cruz enjoys like, sticking I'll his dick anyway. in crazy. I'll hit that shit anyway. I don't I, care. I really would. <laughs> I feel like dirty bathroom, old house woman with herpes. I, I don't know. It, it seems pretty legit. It's like, Stu, do you want to watch? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I, I like when you see her again after she's already taken Jay out as well. Oh, and she sounds fun. just hammered. You guys want to have an orgy? I think we could get him out again. <laughs> uh, uh, I, love, I, love, I love those incidental lines, too, because they're not jokes. Yes. They're funny, but they're not jokes. For instance, one of my favorite shock scenes is, oh, there you are. I was just warming my hands in the fire. <laughs> that was another one that stopped the movie. People were like, what is she doing? You know, the, the impressive thing, though, is, I mean, I, and I know nowadays it's a lot safer to work on these kind of movies, but... Back then, it wasn't the safest, and uh, yeah. she actually did that herself. She actually put that like that gel on her hands and yeah. set her hands on fire. Uh-huh. So, pretty cool. Amelia Kincaid's a trooper, man. She like she's in all the sequels, and I think she's is just she? as great in the sequels. Yeah, I, I love two and three. One. I, no, she is. Uh, third one's kind of the misstep in the whole series, but it, the movie, the characters are very. They're not very likable, but there's some good yeah. effects and humor in it. But oh my god, there's a scene where. Amelia Kincaid performs fellatio on a gun and sucks all the bullets out. It, it is the hottest scene in movie history. Hands <laughs> down, the hottest thing I've ever seen in a movie ever, and that's including porn. Does she swallow or does she spit? She spits the bullets out. I figured Aww. as much, but I'm just checking. But it would be great if she swallowed them and they came out her butthole. <laughs> <laughs> With the lipstick. fireplace blowing up the house. We broke Johnny Crude. That's Johnny awesome. Crude. <laughs> no, you're there. No, but you just went down for a second. No, I mean, not like went down. Like, never mind. I'd watch that though. Please keep the camera on. Take a second. One of the one of my favorite shots in the movie too is when they do the whole mirror game, and then the mirror breaks, and then there's that shot of the broken mirror on the floor. But they managed to get the group shot of everybody in the broken pieces of the floor. Great oh, shot. I love that shot. Yeah, they did that forever. No. Well, they, they, that was the thing is, is somebody had the idea of that, and they were like, "How the fuck do we do this?" And they tried so many things, but the easiest solution was what they went with was they glued broken glass onto like a board and put it on the wall, uh-huh. okay. and then took their picture. That was the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> Usually, the simplest solution is the um, simplest solution. Great. <laughs> this is why I'm not a philosopher. Yeah, but does that uh, the the fucking demon head is hilarious though the puppet demon head? Oh, I don't God, care. I love the puppet demon it has head. no body, but that's great. I don't mind. Even though Angela's in charge, clearly she's not the first one who got possessed, which I think Suzanne. is kind of an interesting choice. Well, because Suzanne probably would have just been ridiculous. Linnea <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Quigley would have been ridiculous. I also enjoy that like she's shoplifting at the very beginning. You know, she's uh, 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 Linnea Quigley's bait wiggling her ass. The guys don't see that she's shoplifting everything in the goddamn store. But there's like 50 <laughs> other people in the store. I think I care. Kevin Timmy is in the store. Mm-hmm. He's walking around randomly in the background. 
I wouldn't know. But I'm just saying, Sorry. nobody blew the whistle because it's South Central and nobody cares. I get it. I get it. Well, it was the 80s, too. I mean, And she couldn't have been more conspicuous. She's the only person in a gigantic costume. <laughs> that ass is that hypnotic. Guys, I got to get going. It's been fun. Carry on. And everybody oh, we love you, www.screamqueens.com, and that's Queens with a Z. And I'm out. No, I, I adore Night of the Demons. I think, uh, I mean, Angela right here, up in there. Oh, I, yeah. uh, I I adore this movie. It's one of those ones that I couldn't see in theaters. I was, when this came out, I was six. Yeah. <laughs> but I did see it at six on VHS, maybe seven, because I don't know if it was, because back then it was longer to get on VHS. But um, I do I did see it right away. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> thinking it was amazing. And uh, in fact, one thing people don't know is there were a lot of cuts made to the eventual release that were in the VHS cut. Like there were a lot of like extra gore and things like that um, back then. And I think they've been restored for the Scream Factory release recently. But uh, I, I give this five, five hatchets. Uh, fuck, oh. I fucking love this movie. Like absolutely adore it. I'm absolutely with you on five hatchets. This it, It's one of my all time favorites. i I can watch it anytime. I, I I'm just sad, bored, and I want to watch something, and I don't know what to watch. I can I put this on because <laughs> I don't get tired of it. It does not get old. I was probably, I was well, I wasn't allowed to see it in the theater because my mom told me I was too young when it came out. But I was I was probably 13, 14 the first time I saw it. What about you, Ben? I'm gonna give it a five as well purely because I feel I'll get beaten by you and Misty if I give it anything <laughs> else. <laughs> <laughs> I want your honesty, brother. Five. No, no. (laughs) Be, you're allowed to have your own opinion. My own opinion is I don't want to be harmed. (laughs) You're, you're the host. You're the co-host of the show. Oh, I know. (laughs) No, I'm gonna give it a four. A four? Why? Justify that decision. Uh, I know you guys think that is the ultimate Halloween movie, but for me, I have a couple of others way above this. So it gets a four. It's not worthy of my five for me. Hey, thank you for having me on the fucking show. Oh, God. Seriously, thank like, thank you for coming show. on our show. Awesome. We will get back to you after this quick break with Evil Dead 2, one of my all-time favorites. Gosh, I wish there was a podcast that talked about horror movies from a female perspective, while also having completely random and hilarious tangents about how being a creeper is totally not okay, and how you shouldn't pee in someone's butt. Well, you're in luck, because now there is. Really? Tell me more. Creepy Kitch is the podcast for you, hosted by two ladies who aren't afraid to tell you off if you deserve it. Every month, Cindy and Stacy bring you a plethora of commentary, hilarity, and righteous rage directed at the misogynistic fuckheads who, despite being subhuman troglodytes, still have the brain capacity to breathe. Where can I find this amazing show? At creepykitch.blogspot.com or on iTunes by searching for Creepy Kitch. Creepy Kitch. They're creepy and kitschy. Mischievous and bitchy. Bruce Campbell is the finest man to grace a silver screen. All the other actors just degrade his noble scenes. The Oscars should award him for his wondrous career. Hold a town parade for him with each movie premiere. Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell. We're gonna be best friends. Gonna come to your house and watch Hercules. Season one till the end.
Campbell is a truly stellar man. He bravely fought the deadites, but a chainsaw took his hand. Coincidentally, I have one I barely ever use. I'll saw it off and ship it to the charming, handsome Bruce. Bruce Campbell, Bruce Campbell, I need the measurements for your chin. Gonna get me a carbonated plant, and I'm gonna be your twin. Then I'll get me a tattoo of your face and put it right on my face. Then we'll fly into outer space and hey, bro, where you going? Bruce Campbell, gonna find you. Can't hide from me. I found your house on Google Maps. And just watch you go pee. When I find you, I'm gonna clone you. Take your DNA against your will. I'll make eight thousand Bruce Campbells to build Bruce Campbellville. Welcome, Jeffrey X. Martin, because we're about to review the best motherfucking horror movie ever made, just about, in my opinion. Evil Dead 2, with our lord and master, Bruce Campbell. Welcome. Welcome, Papa X. Hello. Thank you for being here. Hello. No problem. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> um... Ben, I, and X have all been drinking heavily this evening, and we are going to review, seriously, one of my favorite movies of all time. Of all time. Four years ago, in this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. Something so evil. We prayed it would never happen again. Now, from the creator of Evil Dead, comes Evil Dead 2. doesn't get better than this. I like this movie. I like this movie, but I I don't know why. You don't have to know why. That's the great thing about Evil Dead 2. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just awesome. It's just there's <laughs> no context in this movie whatsoever in comparison to the first. Now, let me tell you something. I and Misty may be able to attest to this for me, but there was a time in the great United States of America where <laughs> Some films were so controversial that you could not print newspaper ads about them. 
don't you fucking look at me. Right? <laughs> Evil Dead 2 was one of those movies. So I got to see this in the theater when it first came out, but only because there was an ad in the newspaper that said, we are showing a film that is not rated. Please call the theater for times and title. There is as much logic to Evil Dead 2 as there is in the worst Dario Argento film. No, there's way more logic. No. Evil Dead 2 makes total sense because it's the best movie ever made. You shut up. No, they would buy it. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be an uphill fight. Um, <laughs> no, we're yep. messing with you. We're messing with you. No, it's we cool. It's so, it's... See, the thing with this movie is we know it doesn't really make sense. There's no logic matter. behind much of it. But it doesn't matter. Wait, wait what's <laughs> not logical? They have the Necronomicon. It summons the evil. He shoots a hand in like fifty thousand gallons of blood should be at all. That's not very logical. That's not <laughs> blood from the hand. That is blood that is being thrust at him from a, a fire hose. No, from the other sort of deadite dimension that is crossing over into into the normal world. Why is it makes total sense? Why is his girlfriend a completely? Different woman than she was in the first one. I don't know. It's well, okay. Why did we spend the first fifteen minutes recapping that and making it complete bullshit from the first movie? Because the first movie, which I also the first saw, movie doesn't count. Oh fuck! What? Then it doesn't. It doesn't. None of the characters in the first movie. It's like it's like Ash got amnesia or something between the first movie and the second movie because none of the none of the memories none of the characters none of these the people exist the first movie exist. never happened yeah it's like the first movie never the creamed corn didn't happen <laughs> I gotta be honest the first time I saw the first movie it scared the shit out of me I didn't think I it was funny I didn't think it was funny at all I was just absolutely terrified the first one is just a straightforward blazing horror film it's the best riff it is the best riff on the exorcist imaginable you just can't do better than that and i was watching the second one i was like this is a goddamn three stooges movie what the fuck is going on what is going on here so i could appreciate it at that weird kind of abstract art house horror level but i'm just I'm not convinced it belongs in the series. No, well, see, that's the thing. Evil, the first one is not meant to belong in the series. The first one was like the beta testing of the Evil Dead series. And the second one was meant to be sort of a remake of the first one. That's why none of the characters are there. That's why Ash doesn't remember the cabin or the Necronomicon or any of that. It's like none of it ever happened. Then why does he not turn into a goddamn Kandarian demon just because he sees sunlight? That's bullshit, dude. Because he's the chosen... See, he's the chosen one. That's why the, the prophecy that is from the Middle Ages that speaks of the guy that falls from the sky oh, to, oh, to save... Until the third movie? Okay. Yeah, no, he saves, he saves that, that era from the dead. I, that's part of the prophecy. That's part of showing you that he is different from other people. He's the chosen one. He cannot be... It's exactly like when he was possessed in the, um, in the cabin at night. He's able, he's the only one that's able to force the evil out of his body because he sees the necklace on the floor that his ex that his girlfriend was wearing 
and it's in the shape of the skull. And he's able to 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 see it and make that emotional connection and force the evil. He's the only one that's able to do that, which is our first glimpse at the fact that Ash is actually the chosen one that is meant to fight the Deadites. One thing I wanted to say, and I said this to you earlier, I have watched this movie. I first saw this movie when I was about 13 years old, and I am now 37. So I have seen this movie hundreds of times. I've seen it several times a year, every single year. I have too. For a long time. And it only dawned on me when I was preparing to record this review <laughs> that I had no fucking idea what the blonde guy's name was. <laughs> I had no idea. I never noticed. <laughs> to be honest, the only one I ever knew was actually the other ones. I know there's Linda and Annie, but you can never remember which one they were. It was like, right. yeah. Right. You're all secondary. Until you look into it, you don't realize you don't pay attention to the other characters like at all. Like, I remember Bobby Joe because dude sits there and yells it in the forest for ages. But you're southern, the too, so Bobby guy, Joe's gonna ring some kind of bell and you're. <laughs> <laughs> I knew someone named Bobby Joe was. Holy shit. <clears throat> I mean, it's like I felt like I didn't even need to prepare for this review because I've seen it so many times. And then when I sat and thought about it, I was like. Holy shit, what, is, what are all the characters' names? Who the fuck is that blonde guy? Hey. <laughs> and like I told you before, his name is Victim, because that is the only purpose that he serves. The only people <laughs> that I remember from this movie, honestly, are Ash and Ted Raimi as the mother in the cellar. Yes. And Oh, he did such a good job. He's yeah. so good. He's so great in that. Ted Raimi, showing up, lathered in layers of makeup, and bringing it. This is the movie that brings Bruce Campbell into full icon status because this is where his hand goes bad and he has to cut it off and he gets the fucking chainsaw arm and if that's not the, one of the most fucking badass things in cinema ever, I, I don't know what it is. The coolest thing in any movie so, ever. I mean, you take any gear up scene, like, you know, we, we talk about where people put like Rambo fucking loads himself up with weapons which Edgar yeah. Wright made tremendous fun of in Hot Fuzz but there's nothing quite like Evil Dead 2 where he fucking fits I've the got a shotgun and I've replaced my hand with a chainsaw right exactly <laughs> he's got the chainsaw and he fits it on his fucking f nub <laughs> that gear up scene lasts maybe what a minute and a half and yeah. it jacks me up yeah. as much as the entire runtime of the warriors does yes <laughs> <laughs> the book of the dead the necronomicon the ex mortis yes the necronomicon ex mortis which is bound in human blood and it's bound in human flesh and written in blood bound in human blood well I got my sentences mixed up <laughs> I, I, I it's combined, a very slimy book I combined two sentences in one just yeah. then so uh, he, he sets the tape recorder going like it's best and because uh, that's what you do which that's another thing about this movie the decisions they make are easy to make fun of but I would do them I'm serious. If I was in a cabin, an abandoned cabin, and I found a tape recorder, oh, I'd be like, let's "Oh, let's see it. what's on it and pl and play that shit." I, I totally would. So I, I sympathize with him. That is because you are a white girl making white girl decisions, which totally. is what happens in a horror movie, which which people make fun Absolutely. of. Do you really? <laughs> in the basement. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. 
Think about this movie. How big is that fucking cabin? This cabin is like another dimension. This is like non-Euclidean geometry. Like... This is the cabin Lovecraft build. So as he's playing the mysterious tape recording like an idiot white boy, <laughs> you see... Okay, and this, this is another touch I love. You never see the evil. Well, I mean, you do at the end, but this bit, you don't see the evil. It's a camera moving towards a window. The window breaks and you see his girlfriend scream and that's it. He goes in to investigate. She's gone. Sad Ash. <laughs> He's a sad boy. It's sad boy. Yeah, Linda has vanished. And oh, evil's possessed Linda. Oh, yeah. And she comes attacking Ash. And then shovel to the head. Off comes her head. And then he buries her. And doesn't look overly bothered about it, to be honest. No, because she, really, when it comes down to it, she's kind of a whiny bitch, isn't she? But then we get one of the best stop-motion animation sequences of all time. With her, her body comes up from the grave and starts dancing about in the forest. And she kind of, like, yeah. beckons her head to come out from a different part. It does a full Michael Jackson hat roll. Right, all the way up. And just this nice little ballet dance naked out in the forest. And Ash is like, I should probably go tap that. <laughs> which, which makes me because I'm like, why is this even a temptation to you to go hit that? She's obviously dead. Uh, she's barely well articulated as far as her joints go. Leave that shit alone. Just, you know. I know, because before all of that. So much shit happens between. Ben Jeffrey, you did it. Jeffrey? (laughs) It's a naughty Jeffrey. (laughs) Fucking nothing happens between them. It's like six minutes of you've got mail before before she fucking gets demonized. (gasps) Buries her. You see the evil going through the forest. And it possesses him. Well, no, it, it knocks him back. He runs through the cabin. That's where you first find out how weirdly big the cabin is. All little... With all the little corridors. Right, right. Knocks him against a tree. And then he falls into the deepest puddle ever. That <laughs> puddle is like fucking 50 feet deep. It is yeah. like, it's like this big around, but it's like 12 feet deep. <laughs> yeah. but, but it's the bit where you get that bit where he's like fixed to the camera and it's just like backing up he's out doing the spin oh god yeah with are doing the branches against the him and he falls into this puddle that is so deep and he sleeps all day and he get he he pulls his head out of the water and he's possessed and that's when you first get shown that when the sun comes out People the demons away. go away they cannot be in the sunlight so it's a very integral part of... Yeah, and that's where he passes out in the day. So, no. Lots of stuff happens in that bit. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. That's where, yeah, the evil disappears, he passes out, day goes. He sleeps for hours. Like, he sleeps he all day he's in that puddle. Night. Yeah, but he's in a puddle. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, he's but... In, his legs are in it. I, can you sleep with your legs? I challenge you to sleep with your legs yeah, in a puddle right now. Yeah, but you know he fell asleep? He probably just fell unconscious after being possessed by a demon and uh, you know what i'm gonna say i need to say right (laughs) now that this movie is extremely low budget but the makeup effects for his possession and every and all that are really 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 fun they're they're good they're a lot of fun you did that on purpose i did that on purpose (laughs) no they are fun they they're a lot of fun seriously the makeup effects 
Oh, there's, they're not great. Of course they're not great. But they're perfect for the movie. You can't, I mean, if it had better, better makeup effects, it would be weird. It's exactly, it's exactly right for the environment that we're being given. If that makes any sense. I don't know. I wanted there to be a lot more continuity from the first movie than there is to this one. I mean... I get that, but... I get that, but but this one isn't supposed to be a sequel, is it? It's supposed to be a remake of the first one, isn't it? Well, then why did they call it Evil Dead 2? Why didn't they just go with the subtitle, Dead by Dawn? This is a question that I cannot answer. Well, I, I mean, why did, they call, why did they call Troll 2, Troll 2, <laughs> when there's not even any trolls in it? <laughs> so he wakes up. The evil presence leaves his body. He's like, fuck this, just in his car and drive. Like a sane person. He's like, I'm out. Fuck this. And he goes, but he gets to the bridge, and the bridge has been destroyed. And the beams are all bent and twisted up into some, some sort of big claw. And here we get the fastest sunset on Earth. Nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> With the biggest sun ever seen. He is standing <laughs> on that cliff, and the sun goes down in milliseconds. <laughs> being chased by low-moving, fast-moving camera, which only goes as fast as you're moving. Well, yeah. Evil goes at the speed of you. <laughs> Evil jogs. It doesn't run. It jogs. If you're in a car, it will go as fast as the car. If you're running, it will go as fast as you're running, but never any faster. <laughs> that's, what, that's to catch you. It's like a 70s cop show. It's like Columbo. I'm going to chase you, but not well. So he goes back to the cabin because obviously he can't escape. And this is when the fun shit starts happening. Not that it wasn't fun already. Right. Because it was fun already. I mean, it, everything about this movie is over the top and amazing. He goes back to the cabin, boards up the windows, boards up the doors, you know, just generally trying to hold up in this shady-ass cabin with millions of corridors and trap doors and all that shit. He goes back into the cabin, and then we cut to the scene of the woman arriving at the airport. And we have that iconic scene of the, where it shows the cabin and the eyes superimposed over it. It says, join us. Yeah, Annie, and I was telling X earlier, I have watched this movie. I'm a massive Evil Dead 2 fan, and I never knew the name of the blonde guy in this movie. I just never knew it. I never noticed it. Never I never paid attention it. to it. because no, it doesn't fucking matter. He's, he's like... Dude, bro, who just shows up all of a sudden? Who <laughs> doesn't actually do anything apart actual people? <laughs> no, he Here's the pages of these books. <laughs> That's his entire role, yeah, right there. And she talks about her father finding the Necronomicon and possibly a doorway to another world. And they go to the cabin. And obviously, the bridge, as we saw earlier, is completely fucked. And uh, they run into this redneck couple. Probably inbred, most likely. Because there, I'm sorry, but there's no fucking way that girl would go out with that guy unless they were related. <laughs> that couple reminds me of the couple in planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> Her last baby come out sideways. <laughs> she didn't scream or nothing. Holy shit. Bobby Joe. Bobby Joe. And trust me, I've been to Morristown, the place you know, where that cabin is, and the people there are nothing like that. Mostly because they're Mexican. But that is really not the point. <laughs> so they say, oh, there's got to be a way. And the redneck inbred couple offer to lead them down a trail for a price. 
And she's like, yeah, totally, <laughs> carry my bags and I'm down. Yeah. And they're like, oh, yeah. yeah. He sees her tiny little bag and he's like, yeah. And then the blows. Yeah, so he ends because up having carry space balls. Take only what you need to survive. <laughs> the big truck. <laughs> it's my industrial strength hairdryer and I can't live without it. <laughs> <laughs> Would this movie have been improved with the addition of Dot Matrix? I think maybe so. I think they should have had Barf in it. <coughs> Barf should be in any movie. I love that guy. So they lead them to the cabin, and when they get there, everything's all boarded up. You know, cut to, in the meantime, while they're walking to the cabin, Ash has this moment where the piano's playing by itself. Uh, he's flipping out a bit. He sees a rocking chair rocking on its own. So everybody gets walking with him now. Yeah, and his girlfriend pops out of her grave, does a little dance. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier. Yeah, her head rolls off, and he flips the fuck out. And he sat there in this chair, flipping out, and then her head drops in his lap. And she says, hello, lover, which has been sampled to every industrial band has sampled this shit. <laughs> so he, he screams and she bites the living fuck out of the... You know that bit between your thumb and your main finger? That bit of skin there? Bites the shit out of it. It looks so fucking painful. Like, no. Not okay. And Israel goes full brain dead with the baby. Bashing oh, it. It's so good. He bashes her head against everything and he's freaking out. And look, I'm sorry, but Bruce Campbell really, really shows his physical comedy here. He yeah. goes ballistic yeah. with his head attached to his hand. And it's so believable. And there we go. Tool shed. Oh god, I love I love tool shed. Just he sat there, his lips don't move, nothing. It is just a random sample saying tool shed. He doesn't. He doesn't speak it. It's like he he's meant to be thinking it or something. He takes her to the tool shed, puts her head in a vice and chops that bitch the fuck up. And he goes he goes back inside. He's, he sees the rocking chair, and he sees the mirror, and he's, he's flipping out because he's just chopped up his girlfriend. And he looks in the mirror, and he's like, oh, I'm fine. No, I'm fine. And the reflection pops out, grabs him by the I shoulders. We don't think so. We just cut up our girlfriend with a chainsaw. Does that sound fine? And at this point, he's he's obviously wigging out. He sits in the chair, and that's when we the giggle the giggle fit starts. That's when it, the uh, the deer head. And honestly, I, I know I sound stupid, but I was a kid when I saw this movie. And when I saw this movie as a kid, the when it cuts to the deer head, the look on its face totally freaked me out. His hand gets possessed, and we get some of the best physical fucking comedy ever. He is smashing plates over his head. He is smashing his face into the sink. He's flipping himself around. Knocks himself out. Oh, I love it so much. And then his hand drags him across the floor for the knife. He picks up, pins his own hand to the floor, and then chops it off with the chainsaw. Yeah, which, which, yeah. which is <laughs> an awesome scene. But all of that, that whole section of physical acting is fucking he oh, yeah. commits to that shit. You believe, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but seriously, see the way he did that scene 
every bit of it was flawless. No, yeah, nobody doubts Campbell's ability as a physical actor. I mean, even in even in crap like Burn Notice, he's still doing shit like that. So yeah, I I can't fault that. Chuck Finley, axe. Axe. Um, okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I had a point and I fucking lost uh, it. So I'm there sorry. you go. Chuck Finlay threw me off too. I didn't, so, okay. I didn't mean to say Chuck Finlay. But yeah, so he's chopped off his hand and he's trapped it under a beam. <laughs> I think it's underrated. I think a lot of people underrate how difficult physical comedy like that is. To do it well. Agreed. Yeah. A lot of people see it as like, oh, it's slapstick. Anybody can throw themselves around. And it's like, okay, well, you do it then. Go on, then. Oh, no, but hold on. <laughs> He's cut off his hand, and we find one of the other purposes of duct tape, you know, taping up lost limbs. Oh, but, okay, I've got to add right. this. I've got to add this. When he cuts his hand off, he puts it under a bucket, and he grabs a stack of books and puts it on top of the bucket, and the top book is Farewell to Arms. I think we can all appreciate <laughs> yeah, that, that is extremely funny. Uh, yeah, and that's yes. where, where he's taking up his hand, and in the background you see the bucket like crawl and then stop when everyone's around it, crawl and then stop when it's around. And then we get the full-on Adam's family thing with his hand running around. <laughs> God damn it! I lo- I'm Idle sorry. Hands. I loved. Uh, okay, there's a lot of movies with a sentient possessed hand in it, and this is my favorite. I love this hand. This hand has attitude. No, seriously, it flips him off. It gets his finger caught in a fucking mousetrap at one point. And then gives him the finger. Oh, my God. Much better than Michael Caine's hand, yes. Thank you, yes. Mm-hmm. It's better than Michael Caine's hand. It's better than whatever that kid's name in Idle Hands hand was. <laughs> Jesus, fuck Seth Green. Look, I know it, it, this is meant to be a horror movie and that the first one is straight horror and this is more comedy horror, but holy shit, I enjoyed the fuck out of it. And his hand crawls into a mouse hole, goes in the walls, and he's listening for it with his shotgun trying to shoot his hand. And so he shoots a bunch of holes in the wall, and holy fuck, it's like Niagara Falls of blood shoots out of this wall. I mean, it is shooting the face, gallons and gallons and gallons of it. It's like when they're making this, it wasn't blood spell one, somebody just like filled up a like fire truck and stuck a fire hose outside the wall and just went, it was. (laughs) See, and okay, and here's the thing, let me go ahead and draw these distinctions. The Evil Dead, the first one, was just a fucking brutal, absolutely horrifying film. Yeah. The third movie, Army of Darkness, everyone understands that that is a feature-length Three Stooges movie. Yes, yes. And this is like the in-between bit. (laughs) Evil Dead 2 was a Tom and Jerry cartoon. (laughs) It really, you know, I never, ever, I would have disagreed with you so hard if you hadn't said that right after I was talking about the hand getting caught in the mousetrap. <laughs> Shooting the holes in the baseboard, it is straight up Tom yeah, and Jerry. You might yeah. as well be Jerry humor you know, the faceless mammy up on the stool screaming because there's a mouse in the kitchen. Yes, but it's yeah. so much better than Tom and Jerry because oh. it's awesome. <laughs> and then our other characters arrive. Well, after uh, the massive bloodbath, after the, yeah, which is one of my favorite scenes in any movie just because I I don't 
like I said, I can only... There's I no can, need, but there's every need. I can only speak for <laughs> myself. I'm a massive, massive fan of unnecessary blood. You get me, like, Tokyo Gore Police, movies like that, where it's just a retarded amount of blood. I am all over that shit. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you nick, like, a small artery and fucking gallons pour out. It's, yeah. It's for, like, beautiful. half an hour. Yeah. 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 It's very um, early craving, too. Think of the blood coming out of the wall as opposed to the blood coming out of the bed in the first nightmare on Elm Street. So. Oh, God, I love that Johnny yeah. Depp scene. Yep. So good. I'm just here to make bad puns and draw comparisons. That's really all I ever do on a show. So there you go. That's all I ever do. It's normally this one's joke. Yeah, that's like our, our whole <laughs> podcast, isn't it? <laughs> So we, uh, what were we at? Blood, blood. Oh, yeah, right. Blood. So now we have the fucking professor's daughter and um, the blonde guy that no fucking yeah. body Bobby Joe, had. redneck and blonde guy. Yeah. <laughs> I challenge my listeners, and you can't Google this. Don't cheat and Google this. Do you really know the blonde guy's name? No, I mean, because none of us, none of the rest of us do. Oh, I did say it. Uh, yeah. So if you, if I you knew. I it away. Yeah, if you knew the blonde guy's name beforehand, I'll let it out. No, if you knew the if you knew the blonde guy's name before we did this episode, then message us on our Facebook. I want to know. And if you get it right, then we will think you're totally awesome. We don't actually have the money to give you a prize or anything, but you'll we'll get give, cool points. We'll give you a we'll give you a like <laughs> on your comment. <laughs> So they show up, and obviously they, you know, they see him covered in blood shooting at them, and they're like, what the fuck is your problem? Kick kick his ass and throw him in the basement. Because, you know, as you would do. Yeah, some crazy guy who's in your place. Yeah. They find <laughs> out, um, they find out that, uh, Annie, they find out Annie's parents aren't there. She, um plays the recording and it says about him having to kill his wife and put her Bury in the, her in the cellar. Bury her in the cellar where they've just stuck ash. And this is where we see the awesome Ted Raimi. Henrietta. <laughs> Henrietta uh, playing Henrietta. He pops out of the ground with worms crawling out of his little head and fuck shit up. And see really the main question during this whole sequence is Annie, is she okay? I mean, oh my god. And he freaks out, and they, they're like, okay, well, I guess we should pull him out. Obviously, there's a big freaky monster down there. And then we get some exposition. You know, well, not a load of exhibition, but we get a bit where Ash tells them there's some evil presence in the woods, and, you know, it's bad. It'll kill him. Don't go out there. <laughs> This is bad. Don't go outside. Hey, don't. The door. No. He's very calm about it. He is kind of calm God about it. God damn it, I'm telling you, don't go outside. No, you idiots. No. At the same time, we have the uh, gorgeous Ted Raimi peeking out of the, uh, the cellar door singing nursery rhymes to Annie and yeah you're not my mom and then the blonde guy that no one knows 
the name of at all. Um, if my, if the people listening to this podcast prove me prove me wrong, I'm gonna feel like such an idiot. <laughs> the he gets possessed. He floats up in the air. His face gets all crazy, and you know him and the basement dwelling demons start going off about. That's all your soul. That's all your soul. That's all your soul. Yeah, we are the thing. It's and like they an get old taken out fairly quickly. That call and response. Yeah. Yeah. I sing one, then you sing one. Follow yourselves! Follow yourselves. <laughs> so they hack blonde guy up with an axe like a bitch. I mean, you can't just let possessed crazy blonde people float around unsupervised <laughs> like that. That's, gotta... that's how you get Paris Hilton. Fucking See? Exactly. Exactly. And apparently, like I said earlier, I looked up the IMDb because I had the realization after several hundred times of watching this movie since I was 13. I didn't know what the fucking blonde guy's name was. Ed. His name is Ed. Now you all know. <laughs> his name is Robert Paulson. His name is Robert Paulson. So they hack his ass up with an axe, which you don't give a shit about, because that guy barely existed anyway. Basement dwelling cuntbag stays in the basement. It's quite atmospheric, though, the way it's done. But really easily and cheaply made, which is played to their budget. Right, because I'm pretty sure when this came out, it was in mono. There wasn't any kind of 5.1 surround at that point in time, oh, just no. you know, historically. So they did all that shit in mono, and it was and it worked then. I can attest because I saw it in mono. Yeah. But it's even better in 5.1. So her father appear, warning them. Yeah, he's telling them that they they have to uh, read the passages from the book to dispel the evil. And at this point. You, you not only get the holographic ghostly face of the father, but there's loads of flashlights zooming around. Someone was paid money to hold flashlights and flick them around like that. I they, want they that pro- job. They probably were paid. How do I get that job? But he just completely Pay attention to the Hollywood Reporter, I guess. <laughs> I want the job of the flashlight person. And Bobby Joe's like, oh, you're holding my hand too tight. <laughs> but it's not it, Jake's hand. It's Ash's bad hand. It's the evil hand from earlier. And she goes running out in the woods like a dumbass. And of course Jake wants to go after her. So he fucking holds everyone hostage. Throws the fucking pages of the Necronomicon into the evil basement. Like an idiot. Like a dumbass. And forces everyone out. Now at this time we see Bobby Joe get dragged through the woods by tree branches. Now, if you've seen the first one, you know about the infamous tree rape scene. Rapey trees! Rapey trees. It doesn't show a a tree rape in this one. However, she gets dragged through the woods. Uh, You see the branches going into her face and everything, and she gets smashed against the tree. Jake forces everyone outside, and it's, it's a big fucking mess. Low slow-moving camera work, rushes up to them, hence the evil approach, and Ash gets possessed again, throws redneck guy, whatever his name is, like a ragdoll. He, he's banging against the door, so Annie obviously picks up. Now, this is from the first movie. It's a... It's not really a sword. It's a stabby thing that it, looks it, like a spine with yeah. a small skull on the top, and in the first movie, when you stabbed someone with it, like it would kind of, you know in Tank Girl, when they had the water container things and they stabbed it into the person and it sucked all the water out of the human body, it did that but with blood. In this movie, it doesn't do that. 
In the first one, it did. In this movie, in this movie, it's, it's just to show off he stabby thing. And Jake comes in and she stabs the shit out of him with it. Because she th- cause oh, I, look, cause X is so on. frustrated with us right now. I know it's like nine o'clock. <laughs> he's having his dinner. But you know and what? Then pulls it out of him. <laughs> I I think honestly, because he's like laying on the floor writhing in agony, and she has to pull it out of him and all that shit. But this is where I really think the acting is showcased in this movie. I'm serious. You guys think I'm joking. But she tries to drag him into another room. And as she's dragging him, he's screaming and yelling because he's, you know, been fucking stabbed. You know? And she's upset and then she gets frustrated and she's like, shut up, shut up. And that it's so realistic to how you would act in that situation, in that yeah. high stress situation. It's good. Yeah. It's yeah. really good. But then we have one of my other favourite scenes where um, she goes she's dragging him across and lays him down next to the cellar door. Oh Christ's sake. And he gets dragged head first <laughs> down and then she's just holding <laughs> these legs. There's just blood spraying all over her. I mean and she's just gallons, holding these wiggling legs. Gallons and gallons of blood. Come then, out of that cellar Then he gets door. fully pulled down. She stands up, and Evil Ash is there. But then she's not got any blood on her. Well, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter if she has blood on her or not. There's there's gallons and gallons and gallons of blood coming out of that cellar door, and it's fucking beautiful. Evil Ash appears. Yeah, Evil Ash uh, Ash appears, throws her against the wall, and knocks her out. But then he sees the necklace. Linda's necklace. Linda's necklace that he gave her. The chain is is wrapped in a skull shape for some reason. I don't know why. And it snaps him out of it. And this is where we see Ash's ability to dispel the evil within him. But later on, when you see the prophecy, you're like, oh, that's why. Because he's the chosen one. He is Neo. (laughs) Oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. No, he's better than Neo. Keep Keep talking. He is the one. And uh, he can be. Well, I love the bit where he's convincing after he's been possessed and dispelled the evil from his body, and he's convincing her that he's okay. And he's like, "I'm all right." And he grabs her by the face, and he's uh, he looks like a fucking maniac. He's like, "I'm all right." And she's just, "Are you listening to me?" Okay, then. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm all. And yeah. the look on his face, it's like, "No, you're fucking nuts." <laughs> and she's like. Okay. <laughs> but then, yeah. But then they read the passages from, uh, look at the pages, and they need the pages they've been chucked down in the basement. So, it, it's uh, the gear up scene. Gear up scene. Oh fucking! Who doesn't love the gear up scene? I demand you show yourself if you don't love the gear up scene. It's chainsaw hand <laughs> and shotgun time. Oh yeah. He, he modifies the chainsaw to go over his stump. He saws off a fucking shotgun and he builds a nice leather back case for the shotgun oh yeah you gotta have that you gotta wonder how long it took to make all of these things to to craft a leather shotgun case that fits on your back and straps around your shoulder and makes this noise every time you put the shotgun in it (laughs) again that's a lot of hours in shop class oh yeah Yeah. but it's ash so he did it in like 15 minutes right (laughs) Because he's the chosen one, isn't he? He's totally the chosen one. You've seen <laughs> enough. That seems can- so pissed off when he's. <laughs> but he is. The, it, it's it's canon. It is canon throughout this series. Ash is the cho- chosen one. Yeah. There's no canon in this fucking series. Totally no canon. Totally. Oh. No. Totally is. Oh. <laughs> 
this series is as random as uh, as I don't, choosing a chosen one. I don't know. <laughs> so it's not pro wrestlers versus zombie random, but oh. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Just imagine if Roddy Piper had been an Evil Dead 2, we'd be all on the floor just masturbating. <laughs> oh god, yeah. Oh, god. <laughs> With the bagpipe music playing. So so Ash goes into the basement to retrieve the pages. And um all's going well. You know, he goes down. Until he wants to leave. Everything's all good. He goes up the stairs and then he gets he throws he he has the pages. <laughs> yeah, this I love me. it. He has the pages, several separate pages that are not in any way bound together, and throws them up to the to um Annie from the bottom of the stairs, from and the, they they fly up all together perfectly. Yeah, they're like perfectly like they're, perfectly they're, joined. I've not even managed to put some paper on a table and them stay together, <laughs> let alone throwing them up some stairs. <laughs> it's one solid block of pages. That's why he's the chosen one. That's that's a special yeah, technique see? right there. Chosen one. I'm telling you. Chosen one has a stapler. Okay. Yes. Yeah. He has the paper throwing technique. Man with stapler. <laughs> he is the paper bender. Much like the last airbender. But yeah. with paper. Origami ash. <laughs> that's going on a t shirt. So yeah, he throws the pages up to her and everything, and then we get Henrietta grabs him. Evil Henrietta coming out, fucking shit up. Oh, this is where we, any minute where we get the monkey noise. Oh, God, yeah. He what crawls out of the basement, and he's like, come on, bitch, let's go. And and he looks like a like a Thanksgiving Day parade float from Macy's. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. <laughs> he's great. He's just like a big fucking helium balloon. They brawl a bit, and then her head, we get some awesome claymation that they do where where the head oh, yeah. does that yeah. bit. Yeah. yeah. And some get, sweet, cheap-ass stop-motion animation. And we get some monkey noises Hold and on. some... Chimps having fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And he's battling this thing, just punching it in the face, fucking swinging the chainsaw at it. Amazing CGI. Uh, or oh, blue screen, anyway. And then he starts singing the nursery song yeah. that the mother used to sing to her. And it stops, but it's still all fucked up and deformed. And then Ash just chops your fucking head off on the bitch. <laughs> just fuck off. And the neck noise makes uh, very much uh, like a balloon deflating. Her neck farts. Total neck farts. Neck yeah. fart. Total neck fart. <laughs> <laughs> so she reads some more passages. <laughs> still definite neck farts. I'm sorry. <laughs> He uh, blows her, blows her face off with a shotgun, and then puts the shotgun back in his back strap. Do the noise, Ben. There you go. <laughs> she reads the passages, and well, part of the passages, and then this massive fucking face comes into the door, like huge face with a bunch of faces attached, and it and it. You know, it's all, oh, yeah, you know, it says a bunch of deadite stuff. She manifests it. Yeah, yeah. And a massive sort of vortex opens up, sucks him out. Yeah, uh, so as she's doing it, Ash's uh, evil hand well, spears her in the back with the spiny pointy thing. <laughs> yeah, and she dies. So she's opened the vortex, but she can't close it. So Ash gets sucked. I've in. had so many dates like that where they open the vortex but they can't close it. <laughs> yeah, then you get sucked right in. Bow chicken wow. 
That's how you ended up married, isn't it? Yeah. So big and powerful, <laughs> it sucks in your car and the a tree. The first two times, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the scene where he is falling through the vortex, and you've got the violin music and the, the audio samples. Oh, we've which, used it. Which have, yeah, that's actually... It's our intro. It's, it's part of our intro um, <laughs> and our outro. The, the violin piece, when he's falling through, and the sound effects that they use have been sampled by so many bands. Skinny Puppies used it. Fear Factory has used it. Um, loads and loads of awesome industrial bands have used that, that sound sample. Um, hell, like like Ben said, we used it for our intro. Yeah. Is it time for my ogre impression? Oh God, yes! Yeah. Dig it, dig it, execute, economic, slave, dig it. I taught the killing game first. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he crashes back in medieval times. Yeah. His, where deadites roam free. His, okay, his car falls and hits the ground. He falls and hits, hits the ground. And they are about to take him captive. And... Oh, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> he's surrounded by knights, played by Sam Raimi and Ted Raimi. And he's like, no, because he saw earlier, he saw the prophecy about the chosen one. And eh? it, it shows eh? that full image <laughs> of him stood on the little mound. And a, a deadite comes and he blows his fucking head off and they start worshipping him, which does not go at all with Army of Darkness. Well, he's suddenly a slave. Yeah, an army. It's, it, you cut over to Army of Darkness and he's as enslaved by the knights and medieval people. But we will address people. that when we do we will do yeah, and dragging away, which at the time it came out really fucking bothered me. But yeah. now that I'm older, it's it like doesn't me. at all <laughs> bother me. <laughs> yeah, let's just rewrite the entire sort of crossover. Hell, to sort of different parallel universe time. Well, look, I mean, <laughs> listen, Evil Dead One and Evil Dead Two don't carry on from each other. Evil That's Dead Two what is this. what the hell? It's meant to be a remake of Evil Dead One and Army of Darkness. Obviously, it doesn't carry over either. Pardon? Yeah. It doesn't carry over either. Exactly. That has nothing to do with the first two. Exactly. Exactly. It, it it's sort of follows the second, but all the crossover, not... the crossover section is completely different. Yeah, they missed them all. But but at least Army of Darkness gets it right if you use its full title, which is Bruce Campbell versus Army of Darkness. Yeah. And that's where Remy finally got smart and went, "Oh fuck, this is all about Ash, isn't it?" Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right, so well, let's well, go no, ahead it's and just put that in the fucking title. Absolutely, because I mean, if if you remember back to the very first Evil Dead, Ash was a big character. He was not the star of that movie. He wasn't a main main part of that movie at all. He, he was, was the he was the Jack Burton of Evil Dead. Yeah, just the guy who's just kind of there, and then ends up being the hero by attrition because no one else is alive. Yeah. Yes, he's the only one that will suck it up. And do what needs to be done, regardless of the consequences, because he's got nothing of, to lose. Regardless of their massive character flaws. Well, he's he. Well, that that's one of the. I think that's one of the reasons that Ash is so loved is because he's of massively his flaws. Flawed. <laughs> yeah, he's sexist. He's an idiot. He's you know he is not a heroic character. So we yeah. just have to rate it. That's all we need. Oh yes. God, five hatchets, five 
fucking hatchets. This is one of my favorite all-time horror yeah. movies ever, 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 and Bruce Campbell's awesome. What about you, X? <laughs> Bear in mind, I can edit it. <laughs> I think Evil Dead is one of the most loosely held-together trilogies of all time. I'm going to give this three hatchets, and that's being generous. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. Oh, it's nice to hear that you loved it and gave it five hatchets. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give it five as well. And now I can edit that in. Well, thank you all for joining us for our late, late, late Halloween special, and we will see you next time. Well, we'll talk at you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you.